All right, here we go. We're live, people. We are live. So, Coco Talk, episode 61 is going live in three, two. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. Good afternoon, everybody. I am your host, Greg Lightman, and welcome to episode 61 of Coco Talk. Uh, can you guys hear me? You just tapped your head there, uh, Jason. Are you good? Are you good? Are you just checking to see if you're hollow? Okay. I'm just, just trying to knock a sense into for, himself. That's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has Let's it go worked on. yet? Welcome to episode 61, everybody, of Coco Talk. I'm your host, Stevie Stroh. We've got a wonderful panel of quasi-talented individuals with us here today. Questionably talented individuals. Starting with the most questionable, Jeez. Jason the Coco Man Reichert. Uh, although I do believe there is some talent goes into those cables of his, but welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, everybody. I'm just uh, making more cables. <laughs> right, making cables. One making that no- cables. One of the ones that nobody can dispute the level of talent as well as beauty. Greg is with us on the show. Grant Leedy, welcome to the program, Grant. Hey, how's it going, guys? We're going good. Uh, one of the most talented beards in the industry, Mr. Roundelbo. How you doing? How you doing? All right. Uh, one of the most Canadian people on our show this week, L. Curtis Boyles with us. Hey, Curtis. Good afternoon, eh? Hey, how's it going? Beauty, eh? Uh, we've got Mark D. Overholzer, who continues to tempt fate by having an apple in the background on a Coco show. Uh, the computing gods will, at one point in time... Strike you down. Uh, oh, there's your cocoa. All right, so you're balancing it off. Yeah, what about cocoa? <laughs> he just has to hold it there for the whole show. Yeah, <laughs> in front of the apple. There. Right. And, and don't forget to hook it up to the screen, too. So. <laughs> Better yet. International celebrity and creator of <laughs> many times. Awesome. Oh, of, no. Wow, what the hell's going on there? But creator of many fine cocoa products, Mr. Rick Adams was with us on the program. Hello, Rick. Hello! Welcome uh, from Minnesota, where we have many thunderstorms, so I may be breaking up. All right. Well, we're we're pleased to have you with us. Last, but certainly not least, uh, he claims to be Australian, although his accent leaves a lot to be desired. We have Nick Morentes with us. Good day, Nick. Good day, everyone. From and, uh, from from down under. <laughs> from down <laughs> under. And then in the live chat, we've got Mark Overholzer, Curtis Boyle, Rob Inman, Nick Morota, and Ken Reichard is with us in the live chat, too. So we're here. We're on the program. Um, I believe we can go ahead and shorten the introduction part of this because we just had a little pre-call. And I think the only person that really has any updates this week is uh, Nick and that he's going to be in our kind of news and discussion part of the show. Um, uh, yeah, you're pointing to Nick properly there, Jason. That's good. <laughs> your, your orientation is great. And then Ron Delvo, are we on Coco TV right now? Yes, we are. All right. So we are live. We are simulcasting. We are broadcasting around the world and we are live on YouTube. 
We are live on Roku on the Coco TV channel. We're also multicasting to to uh, Twitch and to Mixer for anybody who might randomly stop in and say, "What are these old guys talking about here? This isn't." Uh, freaking Fortnite! what are you guys doing here right tom c is with us here and tom c is one of our newest patrons of the show to have updated the uh scroll down here to um include all of our patrons we've got we've got so many patrons right now that i can afford to buy dinner yeah but no all of the money goes right back <laughs> into the quality of the show and you can just see it and hear it you just the show screams boy is production. that money poorly spent if that's <laughs> the quality of the show <laughs> The show screams <laughs> production value. Uh, and good money after bad. Budget. This, uh, this, if, this, if there's nothing that you don't think about this show, it's the budget. Their <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, first cat's trying to make an appearance here. And then Nick says, is that with upsized fries? That's right. We're getting extra. Oh, we got here's our first cat. Okay. There's Siamese Coco Cat. Jason, you got your cat with you? Uh, he's not uh, present at the moment. Okay. I'm sure he'll stop by sometime. Mine Mine's is, in the kitchen. Hiding mine is down at my feet. I'm kind of petting him with my feet right now, and he's kind of happy with that at the moment. So I'm multitasking here. Um, hello, kitty cat. Meow. All right. He's right, a bit so freaked no, out from the construction. So It's another good week. Um, why don't I start off? by sharing some before we get into the news because i already feel like we should be rolling the credits at this point but um let's look at a number that i'm going to share with you guys and then because last week we talked about um you know uh, should we post the videos and audio right away etc 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 and so here's something to share with you guys regarding that number one total downloads right now 7,932. So we're close to 8,000 downloads uh, on our podcast. Uh, so I would say that's pretty good. And then was oh, that video at, and audio for this well, last week? Or is that that's this is all times, all downloads. This is lifetime. Oh, okay. that's that also, includes that's, both video and audio yeah, for the last week yeah. then? No, that, that's lifetime. That's 7,900. Yeah, but that lifetime. includes the video ones from this last week. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I didn't know if it kept them separate. Now. Um, let's look at some numbers, and I put this together. So last week's show, how many views did we get on YouTube? We got 153 views. That's pretty average, right? But look at these numbers here. The audio download was 75. The video download was 82. And I took these around 9, 10 this morning, so those numbers might be a little bit higher than that. But when you add all of these up, and I use this thing that we call math, and to be sure my math was right, I actually used this other thing called a calculator because my math sucks. But this brings in us, us in at 310 consumptions of last week's show. So when you add it all up, that's pretty good, right? And um, I haven't been um, necessarily looking at the numbers and adding up the numbers every week, but we know people are out there uh, enjoying the show, and, and that's why we do it, right? So I just wanted to share that with you guys. I thought that was kind That's well of over 1,000 cool. uh, views per month then for all shows combined. Uh, uh, if we continue that trend, I th yeah, I think we have basically been averaging about that, right? I'm sorry, who was getting ready to say something? Was that you, Mark, or somebody? I thought I heard somebody start something. So we had the discussion last week, and, and so last week was the first time that the program was made available in all formats on the same day. And so all of these formats have had an entire week 
to be consumed, and, and the magic number last week was 310. So that's probably a good number, right? And if we start looking at the numbers that way, let's see how it goes from there, right? So, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody who continues to um, enjoy the show with us. Uh, good stuff. Uh, what else is going on in the world this week? I know nobody's got a project update, but... Uh, well, I have, we have a small one I could just oh. mention. I actually did get okay. to work on uh, the Alpha Force. I've installed Yay. a couple of new games to it, and I've uh, fixed one bug with G-Shell, where if you're trying to run a, a packed basic nine program, right from the commands directory as opposed from an AIF with an icon and everything else. It would just would screw up constantly. That's been fixed. Um, and I did a couple other minor tweaks, and I'm starting to plan out some of the, of the big changes I plan on to be doing here before the Alpha 4 gets released. And Bill told me he's almost got the 6809 graph driv trying to map itself into the system map, which can take 16K now, which means you have to do, like reduce your boot file, take a bunch of window descriptors out and a bunch of things out to even get it to work. He's pretty close to getting that working, so Alpha 4, we're planning on having that too, and that means the both the 6.39 and 6.9 versions will be back on par. We'll have all the same drivers in both. Okay, let me interrupt you there for one second. Number one, when you say Bill, for those who don't know, we're talking about Noble. Bill Noble, his yes. partner um, in crime, co-creators of the original Nitrous 9. Now explain to me this graph drift thing again. And what you just said, is that <laughs> is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Yeah, Are we it's saving a good thing. resources? It's um, when when we did Nitrous 9, the original version, the commercial version, was 639 only. And you can make the code a lot smaller. Like a hardware or hardware divide instruction takes a couple of bytes, and the hard divide routine takes like a couple hundred bytes if you want to do it properly. So we were managing to add features and keep the size 8K or less, because that's what GrabDrive normally takes. And the way the system does its loading, when it goes to load GrabDrive, the whole rest of the operating system is already loaded in the system map, which is just all the system modules, the actual operating system itself. And it tries to load GrabDrive in to that system map too, and then it forks it off onto its own separate area so that all the graphics subsystem is, has its own 64K to work with. Now, what happened is when they backported Nitrous 9 to 6809, of course, the size increased because all these nice 639 instructions weren't being used, and it went over 8K. So now when it tries to map in the MMU and to map it into the system app, it now takes 16K briefly until you get everything switched around and then you flip it over to its own map. The problem is, is if your 9 boot files average sized, I would say, like if you have a few, like a floppy controller and a hard drive controller, maybe an SDC, some serial stuff, you're, you don't have enough room to do that. And it would actually just crash on boot. David discovered this when we were trying to make the first EOU. So basically what happened is we had to strip some window descriptors out and strip out some extra drive descriptors out and some other things to make the room so they could actually load GraphDrive and actually finish booting. But that's like a pretty bad bug because that means you're severely limited in 6809. You can't put in like, you know, RS-232 drivers or anything fancy. So Bill's been working on a method that we both came up with uh, changing the whole way it, it loads in and maps itself. And he says he's got it basically working. He's got some cleanup stuff to do and some more testing to do, but it sounds like we will have that solved by the next release. Okay. And so Does this, that help? Uh, yeah. And so <laughs> this was mostly a limitation because the Coco one and two historically have only had 64 K of Ram. And so it would possibly become a showstopper getting everything loaded. At, up no, this is level two. So this is the Coco three. Oh, still level. Okay. Oh, so it's really just a 6809 thing and not a yeah well okay. indirectly related it's basically that the okay. graphics driver for 6809 is now over 8k it's like 80 i can't remember the exact size okay. but it's over 8k so it takes two mmu blocks okay and the 6809 was still only one mmu block 
Okay. And the way the system tries to load, it tries to preload it into the system. This is after OS9 boots booted, new mm -hmm. process descriptors and system RAM and everything else is already all set up. And you don't have that much extra room to fiddle with. And it only needs it temporarily, just enough to load itself. And then it puts itself off into its own map and actually frees up some RAM in your system task, which is the main operating system itself. And the problem was in the 6809, it had got big enough and now takes 16K to load it. And that was too much. Okay. And basically, the only options were either try to shrink Rafter back down, which means lose some of the extra features we added, or yeah. come up with a different method. And that's what Bill and I have been doing. Well, Bill's been doing it. I just helped him come up with the idea. I would okay. assume you're going to like a two-stage load, where you load a core part and then load a secondary part, like an extension. Well, that's how it works now. I mean, that's what Graphdrive yeah. does. But the thing is, it's trying to map it in into the system task first and then fork it off. What we're changing is we're going to do what's called a non-mappable load, which means it just loads it into the general 512K or 1 meg or whatever you have and do all the setup and initialization and stuff when it's already separate from the system task. It never comes into the system task this way. So it doesn't mm -hmm. take that 16K ever. Uh, trying to load. So it, it will solve that problem. Actually, it'll even help with 6309 because there's some you know, chance that we might get the 6309 version bigger when we start adding more and more features mm -hmm. too, and it'll have this exact same problem. This will right. solve it well. It's, it's feature-proofed. Yes. Okay. So here's another is, dumb question. Is, Go ahead, Nick. Is there, an, is there an English version of all that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's three, three words, ease of use. Ease of use. Actually, in this case, ease of boot. All right, so that's the boot. Um, so here's my dumb question now. You're changing something in the operating system. And is OS 9 designed in such a way to where a change like this, is there any ripple effect where applications might have issues? And, I'm, of course, I'm thinking about a more Not complex... Not in this case. Okay. Oh, darn. He's asking because hard questions. Something yeah. like Windows. Every time when Microsoft <laughs> makes a change, it screws up everything. But that's it's a big beast. Windows is a big beast of an operating system. Yeah. So There are, um, there are changes that have been done in H9 that do cause problems. The one where they've got the right mouse button so you can clear through your windows. Mm. means any game that's trying to play the second mouse button or joystick button can never see it because it's been hijacked by the operating system and changes Windows instead. So I want to. We want to change that back and also make it settable as an option. So if somebody wants to do that and they're not playing games that much, maybe they're doing development or something, then they can leave it that way, or they can set it the other way. We want to make that a user settable option after you boot. Right now, you have to make the boot file specifically. Do you want the right mouse button to be a regular right mouse button, or do you want it to switch windows? So I mean, there are changes that have been done and other changes that will be done that will affect other programs. We have to try to you know make them as backwards compatible as possible. But this is part of the whole loading the system in boot which the user doesn't interact with or change in right, any way shape or form right. so in this case no it won't affect any other programs once it's all finished it looks exactly the same as it does now okay all right so there's just a lot of things going on to make and maintain an operating system you know and oh, yeah. like all these things <laughs> you know even though this is it's nowhere near as big as something like Windows or Mac OS. It still has all the same components. It's got a it's got a kernel. It's got a user interface. It's got drivers, and so the whole concept of a of an OS is kind of the same on all platforms, right? So yeah, it's um, basically an OS is a hardware abstraction layer. So you know what I'm talking about. At least user programs don't have to. It's not like the old DOS days where if you you know, got Castle Wolfenstein, you wanted to play sound through sound card. You depict specifically which sound card you were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, do I have a sound blaster? Do I have a Disney sound source? Do I have an ad lib? Mm -hmm. Do I have this PC speaker? And you had to write everything. You had to write the drivers in the game itself to handle every single one of those things. And if you 
got a new piece of hardware came out and you didn't write a driver, sorry, not working. Right. So the whole point is abstracting it out so that you make a call to a sound API call and it talks to the driver. Right. And that way your user programs don't need to worry about all this crap. Right, right, right. No, that sounds cool. That sounds good. All right. So well, I'm hearing some background noise from somewhere. I don't know if it's there's only two other people who keep lighting up and it's Mark and it's Ron. So is either one of you got background noise going on in there? Because I heard a lot of it while Curtis was talking. Okay. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll get that was the probably them the snoring. Screen. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any noise here, but okay. <laughs> oh, we're talking about <laughs> yeah, OS Nine. Here again. It's OS Nine talk, everybody. OS uh, Nine driver. <laughs> here's your Ambien. PPL <laughs> scripter. <laughs> Kernel load. All right. Drive wire. Drive wire. Okay, so this will be a this will be a short introduction segment here we've only been at this about 15 minutes so not bad all right so let's do real quick let's run to let's say hi to our sponsors um we'll run a commercial i got some bonus content now to show off um i i know this is last minute i was kind of half joking about it in our discord chat but maybe this is a good on-air discussion and maybe we can have some of the people watching us 19 of you right now maybe chime in on the idea of coming up with topics for the show uh, do you guys think this is worth spending a few minutes on on the air to talk about show sure. topics and uh, maybe some suggestions for yeah. coming up with show topics? Okay, all right. So we're gonna let's let's go ahead and take a quick look at our sponsors. All right. How do you like that little clip there, courtesy of L? I seem. I seem to recognize it, yeah. Curtis Boyle. All right, so uh, we always want to take time to recognize people who are contributing to our community. So let's not forget the Coco VGA project at CocoVGA.com. Hasn't been on the show in a little while. Well, I'm looking forward to having Richard Lorbieski join us again when his schedule permits. But um, Boyson Technology is one of the uh, newer providers of Cocoa Hardware. Is he busy doing returns or something? <laughs> he could be. So B-O-Y-S-O-N Tech.com. Boyson Tech. Our good friend, Mr. Jim Brain at Retro Innovations at Go, the number four retro.com, where you can get all kinds of new hardware add-ons for vintage systems. Uh, if you want to make an SD card boot up like a ROM pack, check out the sdpack.com site. Uh, if you have not already gotten yourself a switcheroo, the hottest selling new hardware product for the color computer, you can go to cocoman.biz or coco3scartcable.com. I want to remind everybody that we are now on Roku on the Coco TV channel. Thank you to Roger Taylor. Um, we have our retro swag, our merchandise at 8bit256.com. If you're new to the color computer or you just want to find out where to go and who's doing what for the cocoa, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-Nut.com. Cocotalk.live is the website you can go to for everything regarding this show if you want to send us email send us uh, feedback, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I just finished listening to this month's episode of the Coco Crew, or actually technically last month's episode since we're in June now. So the Coco Crew podcast at cococrew.org. Check them out. Uh, 
Uh, and Brian Joyce, who was with us last week and may, might join us again this week, is at Extructus Productions at FD501.com. Brian has created the, the David Ladd content and the best of episodes and is working on stuff for us. So make sure you check all that out. I want to thank all of our patrons like Steve Bjork, Richard Lorbieski, and Alan Huffman, and uh, Brendan Donahue, and Ken Reichard, and Bruce Moore, and Paul Fiscarelli, and Disney Saints fan, and Brian Joyce, and Tom C., and Grant Leedy, we got new people. Diego, I think we've gotten through everybody now. Steve Bjork, so we're back. All right, so there is uh, our sponsors. There's that. So we're going to go ahead and run a commercial. I hear some weird noise in my house. I have no idea what the hell it's doing. So I'm going to run a commercial too, and I'll be right back and investigate this. So stay tuned, boys and girls. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. We'll return after these announcements. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer three that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay. Goodness, it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. Make sure you run out and get yourself one of them there. Coco Doos at Radio Shack. So. La Coco <laughs> La Coco Blah, 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 blah. La Coco <laughs> Welcome to Quebec, Nick Marota says. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so if anybody <laughs> wants to train <laughs> Jim Brain saying, great, now I need to be bilingual. <laughs> Actually, in his case, unilingual would be a nice improvement. <laughs> if somebody, uh, Nick Morota, if you would like to translate that for us and we can get some, uh, we'll put some captions on the bottom, some some closed captions. Closed captioning. Um, so do we want to open up a discussion topic of coming up with discussion topics um for the show so um this is this may come as, as a surprise to many of you who watch this program but i would say probably 85 percent of the time we do the show uh, i have no idea what we're going to talk about leading up to the last five minutes before the show starts so uh, a lot of times we just kind of wing it 
there. Spoiler alert. So <laughs> now and it goes on for three hours and it Nobody goes on tell. for three hours. So, um, but yeah, there are times where we have a planned guest. <laughs> Red Jim says a show topic to come up with show topics is very inception ish. Okay. So, um, Hey, Fedor has just joined us from Denmark. So uh, there are times where we have uh, a planned episode where we say so-and-so is going to be on the show. A great, uh, a great example of that was when we had Irata online. You know, there's sort of certain times where we do have a planned topic. And there are a lot of days where we literally just kind of, we just freeform it. And it, it is a talk show and we just kind of talk. And, and usually it doesn't suck. And that's fine. Um and so, and, and one of the things I had suggested in the past, and, and I do want to give props to the Coco Crew podcast. If you listen to the Coco Crew podcast this month, when they went through the news segment, did anybody notice how they did the news segment this month? They actually changed up who was announcing each of the stories, which was nice. Yes, yes. Yep. And Breaks I, it up. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And so I had come up with a similar idea where I said, all right, here's a spreadsheet. Let's all come up with things and put down who wants to talk about it. So, for example, like if Mark Overholzer came up with something he thought was interesting, then, you know, maybe he should be the best person to talk about it because he's the one who's most passionate about it. And and I think that works pretty well. I did listen to the Retro Computing Roundtable once. And you had different people talking about the things that interest them, and so that seems to be the that, that's the best person, the one who's who know who knows about it or who's interested or passionate about it. That should be the best person to talk about that. So I had kind of pitched that idea. I don't think we have necessarily completely latched on to that, but as much as um, the show is a balance of structure and um, chaos and, and and chaos and you know, <laughs> um, I'm open to ideas on what we can do to you know, be better prepared and better planned for, for other shows. And it's, you know, this is open not only to us who are on the panel, but to everybody who watches the show, right? And so we do mention, hey, we've got an email. Send us feedback. Send us a suggestion. Send us a show topic. Um, we ask for it. Sometimes we get it. Um, you know, but I find for myself a lot of times, because my schedule is so crazy, at, you know, maybe an hour or two before we go live, I'm digging up things off of Facebook or somewhere to have something to talk about. So I'm going to shut up now, but I'm, I'm very open to anybody else having some suggestions on what can we do to raise the bar on, um, you know, bringing more content and stuff to the show. Yeah, I think there's two two separate things there. One is uh, we need the stories. Any, anybody can do that if they see something interesting on Facebook or YouTube or the Coco List or whatever, that they can just send us an email or a link or you know, or whatever, and, and they can do that through Discord, through email, you know, whatever. Uh, that's one thing, is to get more stories in ahead of time. Uh, the second is who's going to present them, because uh, just because somebody saw something interesting, may not they might not have a clue how it works or what exactly it is. They just thought it was cool. Right. So I don't think we want to impugn that somebody has to talk about it themselves if they're the ones who found it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in certain cases, that works. And, and, and sometimes we'll actually get the person that created the post or whatever is of interest to actually talk about it themselves like Nick will be doing later. Right. Um, but I think we, we have to keep those two things separate. Otherwise, people are going to go, well, if I try to give you guys a suggestion, you want me to come on and talk about it? I'm oh, yeah, no, it. it's not mandatory yeah. that if you suggest that you need to, to say it, but sometimes it might make sense. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure people are aware that, no, we're not going to put you on the spot saying, you know, Nick, you found an interesting OS9 article. You want to talk about how it works? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, right, that right, would never happen. Yeah. Or, you <laughs> know, you know, uh, Steve, you know, we just saw a thing on level five pop star pilot. You want to tell us how to play through that? <laughs> that's, that's one of the two birds in one. That was good. That's here, actually, here one of the, actually one of the news articles that we'll be bringing up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Jim uh, Retro Innovations is saying sometimes there might be a slow news week. And that's absolutely true. And. And he says it's it's uh, you don't want to try to force folks to make news every week. It's probably not good overall for the community. And that's not what I'm implying. I'm not implying anybody forces um, to come up with news. But I think what I would just like to try to enlist is a little bit more um, assistance from outside of just myself. Because there's a lot of us on the panel. There's a lot of us who watch the show. If this could be a little bit more um, collaborative and crowdsourced, I think it's going to add more diversity and more content. I, I think it would be great at some point in time we could say, man, we've came up with you know 15 things this week, and let's just pick the top five to talk about, and we can you know, and then those yep. the you know. But anyway, so it's not really. And I and listen. This is an open discussion, and I appreciate everybody's input and point of view. So my goal here is to not force anything. I don't want to force labor on on anybody. I don't want to force content. But I guess really my question is, is that I'm looking for suggestions on coming up with topics, not always just news, but just a discussion topic or content or anything else like that. Um, Okay, I got an idea. Okay. Okay, we have uh, the rainbow. Yeah. Right. Then we have um, have the Hot Cocoa magazine. Yes, we do. And then we also have Color Computer magazine. Okay. And sometimes there's things in these magazines, such as uh, hardware, or software, or games, or whatever. In this case, here's the uh, keyboard. Yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. I currently have on uh, my machine over here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like that keyboard. Yeah, it's cool. But that plays well. No dead keys. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great product. Um, yeah. If you find one, keep it. It's good. Um, so. <clears throat> it might be cool to run across certain things that are in these magazines, mm-hmm. show them, mm-hmm. and then maybe elaborate on them if you know something about it. That's not a bad idea. Just an idea. Your microphone sounded horrible today, Ron. I don't know what it is. How's it better farther away? Yes. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, like a, ma- a magazine corner, where here, let's let's pick this article from this yeah. magazine, something like that. And you know, um, there's uh, one-liners. There's um, you know all kinds of software reviews. There's um, you know even just uh, something drooled about stuff. You know, having yeah, like that. That yeah, know, the old ads. What would that be like? Someone have this? Yeah. Yeah, and I love how Mike Rowan does commercials like that for the Coco Crew podcast, where he'll do a com- right. uh, you know commercial for the JMN control, JNN controller, things like that. Yeah, uh, no, that's not a bad idea. Cool. Um, now you could scan ads and and show them on the screen, and we all talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be helpful too if we have the PDF version of that. So what what I show on the screen is is very clear. Um, <laughs> so so nick Morota is asking the question is there a google document there is a google document if you guys want to send me an email to my gmail address which is og at gmail.com um then uh, i'll just put that in the chat now that's a semi-private one correct 
Uh, well, it is, but if there's somebody who wants to be a contributor to it, I would, um, you know, I would share it. Uh, is that is that the construction going on in your place yes, now? Yes, that is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, we we can't have an episode without without there being background noise. That's Curtis awesome. is getting a new throne. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Maybe if we could get our background noises together, we could have some kind of a jingle. A cacophony. <laughs> oh, and here's what Jim's saying. Jim's saying, um, you know, he started bringing Cocoa projects to other platforms. Yeah. Um, no. So these are these are all great suggestions. So. Um, uh, and keep them coming, but since there's there's usually a good you know, and r- what we're looking at right now, this is kind of our core, right? And this is the core group right here, um, uh, and so with within this group, uh, I'm open to suggestions on things you guys can do, and um, and I'd, I'd like to see at some point in time where we've got a long list of things to talk about, and we have to, and then we can kind of cherry pick those things that we want to talk about each week, um, or a six-hour show then. Yeah, well, that's another thing too. So one, you know, Jim was mentioning that. Listen, sometimes it's a slow news week, and that's okay. Um, we don't have to have a three-hour show every week. We don't have to have a two-hour show. We could have an hour, hour and a half show. So it, there's there's no requirement that we have to talk about X number of things. Um, I'm just looking for more um, crowd-funded, crowd-sourced ways of getting content because everybody's going to find something that's interesting to them that I might not find interesting. So I don't want to be the gatekeeper and decision maker of what we talk about. Um, yeah. Well, I think that was Rob's point. Like he was asking, is there a public Google Doc where anyone can add ideas? Because I think the point of resistance is if you have to email Steve and then wait for permission, you might just go, ah, it's not worth it. Yeah. Well, so it is not necessarily public, public to, uh, to anybody. Yeah. And I understand world. why, because you don't want, yeah. You know, but there, there is a Google document. And so if you are somebody who wants to be shared with that Google document, email me. And then I will add you to that list. But yeah, I don't want to just publish it for the world to see. Um, but yeah, so anybody who wants to, the, to do that, if you'd like to be a regular or semi-regular contributor, and just in the fact of, hey, I found this, here's a suggestion, here's a link, um, I'll be happy to share that document with you. Yeah. Or, That's or why I Discord. think either email itself or, or Discord chat that is right. public. Mm-hmm. Would be probably be the best because that's the path of least resistance. So the more barriers you put up, and you know you have to sign right, up with right, Steve right. first so, and stuff. It's just so, people will do it more often. Yeah, if you join our Discord chat server, and the link is in the description to this video, and you go to Discord, there is a chat channel that's hashtag Coco Talk, and the purpose of that is supposed to be to discuss things that we're going <laughs> to talk about on the show. Um, so that's another way. Uh, cool. All right, have we beat this one to death? Or does anybody have anything else they want to suggest? Maybe like monthly themes like they did for the rainbow. Like maybe one month music, another month is graphics, another month is games. Yeah, um, that's not a bad idea. I just think then we just need to make sure we've got the corresponding, you know, stuff yeah. to go with well, it. You don't want to try to force the topic if nothing's happening. But maybe if we have... Week uh, board, I guess. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff, like, you know, if you want to do a, a tutorial-type thing, well, then it doesn't matter when you choose to do it. Sure. Well, if you put up, like, five or six categories, and then whatever gets filled up first goes first, and then... Right, right. Yeah. So, Like, Father's Day is coming. Wouldn't we want to do something special about, like, um, what our family might want to get us for Father's Day? <laughs> hardware? Yeah, yeah right. Because Ron, Ron needs some hardware. 
<laughs> yeah. Ron's, Ron's a little lacking in the hardware. I think, I think the only hardware he needs right now is a second garage. That's <laughs> yeah. too wow. sorry. Is that what your construction is in the background? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh. Bigger bathroom? All right. Well, yep. all, right, all right. So this, I'm just throwing this out there not only to the panel but to uh, the audience as well. We're always looking for suggestions for topics. Hey, wait. Don't, don't you have uh, something at the end? You usually say, uh, or is it at the beginning, where you uh, ask for people to do little videos and send them in to me and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so I have a Google Drive. I have Google Documents. So if people want to send videos, I can set you up on the Google Drive, um, things like that. So anybody who wants to contribute to the show, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and we'll figure out the best way to get you in the loop, um, either through a Google document, Google Drive, through Discord. There's a million ways to share content. So I guess it's just the 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 call is out there, the the call to action, the call to arms. If anyone wants to, and it doesn't have to be every week. You know, it might be once a month. But if you just want to be on the in the inner circle of coming up with ideas and coming up with suggestions for the show, let me know and just send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and and we'll we'll start to figure out the best way to do that um oh, yeah, the main so thing i'd like to say is that you know because steve and i both have wacky schedules too and i think some of the rest of us do too is that just if you see something that looks interesting on facebook or on the coco list or anywhere or youtube or whatever just send an email and just with a link to it yeah like you don't you don't have to make a video you don't have to you know get any you know explicit details about it but just to save us the time of trying to find the stories at the last minute right right and um, and I actually was able to come up with a pretty good list. And now here's and I even thought about this because, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a while since this has happened. And sometimes I hear things and I take it with a grain of salt. Some things bother me. Some things don't bother me. Some things I passive aggressively um, treat in a certain way. But I forgot when it was. But a while ago. Somebody had made the comment that, oh, there's, you know, people are sharing things to all the Coco groups and you're sharing it to OS9 and you're sharing it to the Coco group and you're sharing it to this group. And so, um, you know, part of me was just thinking, well, listen, that's one person's opinion. But the other part of me was thinking is, you know, there is some, there, there's a semi-valid point there. So what I have tried to do when it comes to sharing um, the, the postings of this show is I post it in about three places. I post it in the Glenside page, I post it on the Coco Crew page, and I post it on um, uh, the the main TRS-80 Coco page. So I don't, I, I haven't really posted it in OS9 in a while. Um, I haven't been posting in Dragon in a while, but I did post in Dragon today only because I had not posted in the Dragon group for a long time. But then I realized, you know, listen, we even, we, <clears throat> there's an open invitation. There's always been an open invitation. Anybody who wants to come on the show, you're invited. And so maybe we don't always say it in those many words, but this is a show for the community. So anybody who wants to come on, you, you have that invitation. And, and um, to come on, all you do is call us on Skype. And the Skype address is actually now in the description. You just search for Coco Talk at CocoTalk.live. And so I've invited people from the MC10 community to come on and jim gary has come on i've invited people from the dragon community to come on and we've had karen come on we've had a few people but i'm also thinking as much as we welcome them well maybe we don't cover um the dragon as much as we should 
And so I actually went through and I found some articles on the MC10 page and the Dragon page. So we'll be talking about all of those um, this week in our um, news section. So I do want to make sure that we are um, sharing the love and showing the love. And we talk about everything, not just the Coco, but let's talk about the and Let's not just make fun of the MC10. Let's actually talk about the MC10. And, and so I found one of Jim Gary's latest videos that will show off and things like that. So I do, I am always trying to think of ways to broaden the horizon um, of things to talk about. I agree. That's that's a good idea to make sure that we're, we're covering the entire Coco family of computers. Yeah. Other than yeah. just the specific ones. And, Can we expand uh, that Tandy? I don't like Tandy. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're obsolete. Um, They're going under. Yeah. I mean, we can. We can. And so now, now, and, and listen, like last week we had Javier on and we talked quite a bit about the Apple. And it's always nice to have something different from time to time. And, I, and so on those lines, then at this point now, does Coco Talk become Tandy Talk? And then does it become Retro Talk or is Retro Talk still going to be a separate show that we haven't really done yet? Um, you know, so I, I was thinking about having a couple of different shows. <laughs> the talk. So Ken, Ken says Steve Bjork may never come back if we praise the MC10. <laughs> so, um, oh God. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's probably fair and reasonable that we should be talking about all things Tandy and Radio Shack on this show, right? Um, because Ron shows off his Tandy 1000 stuff, right? I mean, so yeah, I don't I don't think that's out of um, I don't think that's getting too far out of the focus of of the show. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we talked about Apple last week. We will talk about other things. Does the show become a mixed uh, platform show automatically? I don't know. I, I think that I think at that point in time we should really be doing the retro talk show. Yeah, I, that's what I was um, just going to say. I would still keep it Coco focused. You can discuss some of the other ones, you know, once in a while when it's applicable or you know something yeah. we saw in something other other system we'd like to see in the Coco, like the IADA stuff. No, but I, I no, mean, it's called no Coco Talk for a reason. <laughs> um, so Nick Morota says, I'd love a show that talks about retro video games, um, arcade, etc., and other um, uh, talks about retro computer stuff, like Coco, Tandy, and Bigger. Yeah, and that's what I think Retro Talk would be. My, my idea for Retro Talk was to cover basically 70s, 80s, and 90s and cover everything from, you know, arcade to uh, console to home computers, right? So, um, and e some shows will be, you know, a mix of topics. Some shows would be themed, like we might have an Apple week, we might have an Atari week. It might just be, you know, free form. Since it's a show that we haven't had too often, it's probably going to, much like this show, start off very um, spontaneously and maybe take form over time. But, uh, but that's always been the plan for, for Retro Talk, was to take this same format and open it up to a bright, broader spectrum of systems. And so we should probably get back to planning a Retro Talk in, in the near future and, um, and, and working on that, too. And the, really, the question always boils down to time. We're already devoting one week, uh, one day a week to this show. You know, you know, nothing else. We're all here for two or three hours every week. Um, that's a time commitment. So now who's got more time to commit to another show? Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm open to it, but I'm also finding myself struggling for time. What the hell are you doing here now, Ron? You're giving me a seizure. Okay. <laughs> One thing about retro talk. Is, it's called a billboard. And, um, yeah. you know, it's on my Model 1. And um, oh. if you ever wanted to, um, like, send um, messages to somebody while you're talking on the, the show, 
Mm. I could say, please call um, an ambulance. I'm sick. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it becomes our teletype. Sorry about that, Mark Overholzer. What were you going to say about RetroTalk? Oh, I was going to say RetroTalk would definitely reach a larger audience, and I don't think yeah. there's anything like that happening in the Apple side or even the Commodore. I mean, um, Yeah, I know we joke about this show being a train wreck, you know, and it's a fun show. Um but um, I think this format is a pretty good format, and we didn't arrive here overnight. It took a while, right? It's, it took a while of, of refining. It took people saying, okay, this is good. We're having fun, but maybe we can be semi-serious, you know, so we started that kind of that group, you know, so um, Steve Bjork and Curtis and a few people who have experience watching other shows like Twit are saying, well, maybe we can take some of those ideas and apply them to the show so we have tried to make it not you know i think it's i think there's a great balance in this show we try to have a format we try to have a structure but we can also have real free form um you know random discussions and and um i think we uh, as a as a group we've kind of gelled right so i think we're able to roll with that pretty well um so I, i think this format is a good format and i think this format can be applied since we all have systems and interests outside the cocoa, I think we can have these same conversations about other systems, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. My schedule is a little bit place. So if, you, if the retro talk show on generalized computers, I would probably just guess once in a while. I don't. I can't commit sure. to doing two shows constantly every week. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have trouble with this one here in the next little while when I start getting rush season again. So just get take less sleep. A lot less sleep, you'll do fine. Right, right. All right, well, I think I we can't be- code then. Have we beat this <laughs> one to death? Have we beat it to death for now? Yeah, I, I think the basic, the summary is we would like people to just send links and stuff during the week because we're busy and, I mean, be a contributor. A bit of free time, you find something, just send it up. Don't worry about having to talk about it yourself if you're not an expert on it, you just thought it was neat. Um, if you are an expert, I mean, please feel free to, but. Mm-hmm. Just basically send emails to Steve and or join the Discord. That's probably the easiest because then we can all discuss it when we have time, like at three in the morning or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And they get um, they get credit, right? I mentioned. Sure, we can do that for sure. sure. Right. right. Um, yeah. So the email address of CocoTalk at CocoTalk will go to most of us on the panel already. That's a that's a blast list that most of us get already. So, all right. So we beat this one to death. We're gonna we're gonna roll a commercial here and we're gonna come back. And then we're going to talk about some news and uh, just other items of interest that have happened this week and uh, in the world of Coco and Retro. So we'll be right back, people. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from Coco Fest. And you listen to The Real Gamer, Steve Schroen. We will return after these messages. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Noble co-author of Nitrous Nine, you are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick uh. Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9. OS 9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. 
And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Switcheroo, the RGB discard solution for the Color Computer 3. Use your Coco with a modern display. Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. The Switcheroo, Australian for RGB to SCART cable. Coco3SCARTCABLE.COM All right, well, we're back, and we are here with some news. So, um, let's do that, shall we? And why is this small? I don't know. All right, so <clears throat> a couple things I pulled up um, from the thin ear. And by the way, with, with news, let's get a little bit of a sound uh, bite going on here. Now, what the hell's going on with my soundboard? Jesus Christ. All right. So there's some things that have happened in this week. Some stuff showed up in the Facebook group. And um, one of them, which already sold, I came across the listing just today. And that listing has already sold. But what this is, or what this was, was a, um, a very nice white Coco One. But as, as it was mentioned, this one has the raised keyboard. Does anybody recognize that keyboard? Is that the HGL? HJL four function keys one of them locks like clicks and holds down okay so that's a that's a beauty of a coco one right and so yeah it was in really nice condition um nice keyboard uh looks good and as the person mentioned in um in the posting that the this particular model um it's it is somewhat i hate when somebody uses the word rare you know, rare and vintage are so overused uh, on eBay, especially with Coco stuff, because there is no rare Coco one, there is no rare Coco two. There, they're pretty much there's there's lots of them, but this white Coco one uh, is the U.S. version is fairly uncommon. So, if you yep. are a collector, it is something cool to have. It it was released along with the original Coco two and the MC ten in the September eighty nine rain or September eighty three rainbow, I believe. And it was labeled as a 64K Coco at that time because the Coco 2 was a smaller case. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had the melted keyboard at first and then had the, f um, it didn't have this one, obviously. This is a third party keyboard. But it was only out for about, I think, six months. And then the Coco 2 64K came out and replaced it because it was cheaper to manufacture mm -hmm. and smaller to ship. So sure. it, it was only here for like half a year. So this one is somewhat rare. And with that keyboard added to it, I mean, the HL keyboard is not that common either so right right and thing to end up selling this was a buy it now so for 189 dollars so <laughs> paul fiscarelli says where's the new york times badge on this one <laughs> right that increases the value um so was this was this part of the precursor to the deluxe coco like the white case no this was um, when they first did 64k officially at radio show yes yeah, this was, was originally the 64K Coco. It was the only configuration it was sold in. I was thinking if the plan was to release a deluxe Coco in that case later on, but 
that never happened, of course. No, but the deluxe cocoa Bing. would have been in a big case, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the deluxe cocoa would have had a different case, though, because there was different ports on the back. So the oh. molds would have been different. Mm. Okay. Because you had a real R32 and you had composite. Yeah. And... yeah, this was my second cocoa. So my first cocoa I got had 16K color basic. I had um, I had gotten it upgraded to 32K so I could play Donkey King, but I had never gotten extended color basic. So when it was time to make the leap, um, I went ahead and got this. And at the time, because none of us would have predicted the Coco 3 in 1983, right? So at the time, the fact that this had 64K and extended color basic as a standard feature, this was a very compelling system for me. This was a nice thing to graduate to. Um, and I have fond memories of, of beating on this machine, and I'm very lucky I have one now. Um, so I do have a physical one of this, but not with that HJL keyboard. Um, <clears throat> so it's a nice system. And, and we've had a few discussions about what is something worth, right? So this sold for $189. So there's Curtis with it on, uh, on the cover of the rainbow, Coco Breakthrough, right? And so there is with the original Melty keyboard, right? So, um... <clears throat> You're muted. The same time OS 9 was released, too. Right, because this was the machine to run OS 9 on, right? Because OS 9 level 1 required 64K, and they needed to have a 64K machine to to do it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a beauty of a machine. And honestly, for me, I was not that savvy on the differences in hardware. And so I was maybe, you know, 15, 16 at the time. So I naively compared this to the Coco 2. The Coco 2 was smaller. I'm thinking, no, nah, this has got to be a better machine. It's bigger, right? It's, you know, it's got to be better. Bigger is better, right? <laughs> right? So uh, just not realizing that, yeah, you can make circuit boards smaller, right? But so my dumb non-hardware understanding self said, this is better. It's bigger, right? So um, the Coco 2 kind of looked a little girly compared to this, you know? It's like <laughs> it looked like a big MC10 or something. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm yeah. Happy this basically ha- was an F board, same as the last gray Coco ones, yeah. where it just had the melted keyboard and the white case. Now, does that mean I don't remember the f- full product compatibility? But is, is this compatible with Coco VGA? Uh, the F board is yes. I think if the F board version of that is actually already designed, I think it's okay. the D and E boards that Ed's still trying to. Okay, so that, that, that might be one to get fully upgraded since mine's already been opened. The warranty sticker is uh, <laughs> no longer there. So one eighty nine. What if if you guys didn't have one? Do you think that's a fair price for this particular model because of its rarity in the keyboard? I'd, I'd say it's pretty close. I mean that that keyboard was beautiful. Out of out of all the third party keyboards, I think the only one that typed as well was the marked out one that um, Ron was showing earlier. But this one had the function keys and the locking function key, which was unique to it, as far as I remember. Because you could use it as a caps lock and actually click it down; it would stay down, and you'd have constant caps, and then you'd uh, click it off, and yeah, you could use it as a caps lock. Okay. Or rapid fire, maybe. All right. I mean, I think most of us here on the panel, we've we're at the point now where we've got more than a few cocos, so maybe we would not have jumped at this. But do you think this was a, a decent price, Ron? You're shaking your head. I'm not sure if you're saying yes or no, Ron. You got too much crap. That's your problem. You're muted. <laughs> You're muted. Okay. All right. So n- not not a good price for you, Ron? You're muted uh, again. Oh, there you go. Uh, I keep muting myself because I don't want any background noise. Okay. Because I know it sets you, you and everybody else. Just, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> no, see, I have my, my keyboard on my 
cocoa and I'm happy and everything. And now I see all these prices. I feel, geez, it's just going up and up and up, you know, over time. In 10 years from now, what are these things going to be worth? I wonder. 20 years from now? Yeah, it does make you wonder, right? Sounds like a line to a Led Zeppelin song, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm a bar. But it's sold, right? So I, I came across oh. the listing today, and it sold today. So I'm not sure how long it was out there, but somebody bought it. If, if I didn't have one, and I didn't already have, um, you know, a dozen cocos, <laughs> and I had the money, I would have jumped on this myself because I, I, it would be nice to have. Um, I thought maybe you were going to say you did it. You yeah. got it. No, oh, my wife would absolutely kill me. This would be <laughs> this. This would be the divorce. This would be Exhibit A at the divorce filings. You know what I mean? <laughs> Grant Lady will wow. be carrying the show from now on. <laughs> my husband's addiction has gotten way out of control. Yeah. Um, no, I know. I like the machine in general. I I think uh, a white cocoa one is very easily worth a hundred dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars as is, without yep. a fancy keyboard. So how about a yeah, this is sixty four K too, so that's already upgraded. Yep, 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 yep. So how about a yellow one? A yellow one, yeah. yeah. The, so well, this is, go ahead, again Mark. six months. I mean, they're only out six months. You know, yeah. In the big yeah. scheme of things, very narrow window. Yeah. Now, this same product, though, was ca called the Coco 2 in Australia. So they are, 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 are UK. Somewhere there's this same form factor, but it's called the Color Computer 2, and we've seen pictures of those. So in the United States, it's very rare, but there might be some uh, EU versions of this that are, um, that are out there. All right. So we, we beat this one to death. Talked about that one. I think it's cool. I'm, I'm happy for whoever got it. All right. So another article that came across uh, on Facebook this week is a friend of the show, Paul Thayer, is showing off a picture, and the, and the caption is this. I didn't expect it to, uh, to get this far so quickly. Map editor under dev. So he's got a map editor for one of his games. I don't know if this is for Downland 2. It might be based on the tiles yes. down here. Okay. So this is the map editor for Downland 2, and I have not looked at his blog yet, but he has mentioned that um, he's going to be updating his blog because he's already found ways to reduce cycles on compiling sprites and rendering stuff to the screen. So um, that's kind of cool, and I guess that becomes a necessary component of developing a game. Or a, 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 a way to simplify the, a development is to come up with a level editor or a map editor, right? Because didn't you do this for Popstar Pilot, Nick? You had a way to... Um, uh, yep. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. James Diffendaffer is here. Hey, Jim, Jim, in your honor, we have a train noise. All right. So Jim couldn't be here today so uh, on the call audibly, so we've got, we've got some train background noise for Jim. So Jim says the HGL keyboard felt more like a typewriter keyboard and that he said he sold a white Cocoa one for $75. That's a good deal to whoever got that. Um, so this is kind of cool to see a peek behind the curtain when somebody's working on something and see what they're, you know, you have to develop your own tools sometimes too, right? So that's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Downland 2 is going to look like. This is, I'm excited about this. 
This is some pictures that Ed Snyder posted, and this is looking like he's got a bunch of parts here to start making the new four-pack MPI. Um, With sound earlier, chips and serial yeah, chips. So last week he was showing off some serial um, speed demos on Facebook where he could do serial transmissions, RS-232, at mega awesome speeds, right? And he was showing how he could bring information over serial port into the memory card of the game module uh, sound whatever what is this called psg programmable sound generator right so i get these acronyms confused so he pulled the music off of the serial port at blistering fast speed loaded into the memory of his sound generator and then played music off of that so so ed's really just pushing the envelopes you know bending the rules of time and space here with um, how fast he can transmit things over RS-232. And I know a lot of people are excited about a four-port multipack, although there are some people who four ports aren't even going to be enough. And so, Hi, David Ladd. <laughs> and for those of you, then we've got Jim Brain's Retro Innovations 8-slot uh, Coco ex expander um, that can actually go to 16. So... This one goes to 11. Um, so, yeah, so I think a lot of people are looking forward to that. Uh, although I think most people, most sane, normal people say, yeah, who needs more than two slots? I got my Coco SDC. I got my whatever else I need. Two slots is probably good enough, right? So, but for there are those, you just there will never be enough slots. Yeah. So The thing with this is, though, this, this actually is almost equivalent of more than four slots because it's got the serial chips built in and it's got right. the sound chips built in so that would have been two slots normally right so that's and you've got four like extra a, slots now for right. floppy drives and hard drives and coco sdcs and whatever else true so this is almost like a six slot with two slots pre-populated right yeah. So, yeah actually i think he even mentions if in his comments there it himself that uh the sound chip is mapped as if it's on a slot five ah. with the hardware setup okay so you're exactly right there you go. Pre-populated. All right. So that's kind of cool. So for those of you who have not seen that and you're not part of the Facebook group for whatever reason, there you have it. Now, here we go. Our very own Nick Marentes. Should I go ahead and play this video clip? Uh, yeah, might as well. All right. Okay. This is just a demo um, just to uh, prove that it works. This is what we were trying to do last week. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Frogger. Mm. So, yeah, I just transcribed the notes directly. And it's there's two parts to this uh, demo. Uh, it's uh, the song. The first part is the song with two, two channels. And then I play it again with three channels. I'll explain what's done. Oh, that sounded really good, though. Low frequency tones. I like that. This is the three voice one? Yeah, I'll explain that when it's done. Okay. A, B, and C. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so it was two voices. So you had a uh, what it, whatever it's called the the bass. I don't, I don't know all the music terminologies, sure, but sure. there was a the main melody track and mm -hmm. just the uh, the bass track or whatever um, on the first part. So it was two voices being played at once. Mm -hmm. uh, the the second part was just 
copying the melody track but offsetting the sound by two notes and then playing it simultaneously so it gave a bit of a harmonic Harmony. type. Yeah. yeah so it i just i was just curious to see if it'll sound different or, or better um, because the, the the program only generates square waves you know it doesn't do anything fancy with the sound uh, the actual sound generation at all. Um, and I thought, well, is there a way to make it sound a bit more than just square waves? Uh, yeah, and that was the idea of the harmonics. Okay. Uh, that, will be a, that will be a function that I'll add into the program so that it's easier to do that. So if you want to create that harmonic track, there'll be an option in the menu to, uh, to select, uh, create uh, a harmonic track, a second track, a copy of the current pattern ah, but, okay. but offset to a variable value you can offset the notes by one or five or whatever uh and then experiment yeah, yeah, but, if, you yeah were, if you wanted to you could do like a whole octave higher even so you have uh well the, the program only supports up to four octaves um that's as fast as i could uh, write the um the code okay uh, so it'll only handle up to four. I would have liked uh, uh, you know, an extra octave or two. But, um, yeah, this is, well, it, it's totally software. So the CPU is doing everything. And to uh, create not only the, the square waves, but also the envelope and everything else, it was, yeah, just a little bit tight trying to get um, a five or six octave. Mind you, that's just, that's my ability. So sure, sure. Else, <laughs> Someone else like Sockmaster would probably do it, but oh, well. for for what I want to do, I, I just need to have some music playing in the games I do, um, and and this doesn't allow you to have music while you're playing the game. So right. this is just music during a uh, uh, like the title page or the end game uh, area. So or intermissions or something like that. Or intermissions, yeah. So it, it it's it's um. It's not as good as having a real sound chip mm -hmm. from the point of view that, you know, you can't play music during the game. But it is better from the point of view that everyone who has a Coco 3 can hear it. They don't have to already own a sound card or, or a sound card multipack, uh, whatever. Everyone, e the basic color computer will play this music. So that was, uh, that's, that's a big feature of this. Okay, and, Nick. Um, just a quick suggestion to you: yep. uh, if you do a plus seven on your note, that's a power chord. So, yeah. Well, the the, the program will be variable when it, when I put it in. Of course, I can set whatever offset I want. So, yeah, if I want to do a power chord, I'll just do a plus seven. Um, that's a that's an octave, right? No, that's uh, less than an octave. I know. It's seven uh, out of twelve. Twelve is an octave. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. So. Uh, is 12 enough? Yeah, something like that. See, I don't know any of the terminology. Like like I said on my website, you know, I'm, I'm doing this by the seat of my pants. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. If it sounds good, it's done. It's good. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's it so far. So it is getting close. Yeah. There's still a few features to put in uh, just to make it easier for editing. The sound routine itself is done. Uh, once that's all done... Then I, uh, as I mentioned on my website, then I play uh, Jean Michael. Uh, what's his name? Jean Michel Jarre, that composer. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. That, guy. Sorry. that guy. See, I don't even know the name of these people. So Jean Michael. I, 
Yeah, Jean-Michael uh, Jarre. I'll, I'll, I'll pretend I'm him for a while and see if I can compose, actually compose something that's worth listening to. So, And that hopefully will be in my, my, uh, in my game, Gunstar. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, cool yep. stuff, and it sounds good. Now, yeah. now, so we have been talking about this on and off for a couple of weeks, right? So it started off as a Facebook discussion. We, we at the last minute of one of our episodes, a few episodes, we we tried to talk about this, and I'm not sure how effectively we were discussing it in in the forms of explaining how you achieve this in software. But this month on the Coco Crew podcast, I think John Linville did a pretty good job explaining the concept of generating sound and you know going, taking it from one bit audio to the mechanics of moving air from a speaker to getting into envelopes and the six bits for um, creating your different envelopes for sound and tone synthesis. So, um, you know, usually I'm the first person to say it's hard for me to listen to something technical that's purely being spoken verbally and completely follow it. But I think I did a pretty good job following everything he said, and I think he did a pretty good job explaining a lot of it. I think the only thing that I don't fully understand now, because it's being said as just a simple statement, they're like, okay, so all you got to do is generate your waveform and send it to the DAC. But that statement right there assumes you know exactly what it means to send something to the DAC. So, and I'm not saying that as a criticism to John or anybody else, but if you've never done assembly, can you tell us, Nick, in, in simple terms, what 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 is a... a the actual process of sending that waveform to the quote-unquote DAC? Is it just a byte of information that gets sent to a location in memory that automatically comes out of the speaker? Uh, well, yes, basically. Actually, if you go to my website, I actually yeah. um, the blog His site blog. actually explains not so much all the things that uh, John mentioned. He, he, he mentions, you know, the whole, the whole uh, process of generating sound. But I do cover in my blog about the generation of four voice music and I okay, do mention I, I do have it I do have you in one of my tabs so we will get to that in a little bit then so oh, if it's okay. there then that's good okay perfect because that's the next thing now I will also want to say and acknowledge that you know I don't want to come across <laughs> here's James different after oh hell not sound synthesis again hey Jane is hey James is there a uh, is there a train going by your house at all <laughs> um so I do also want to say, because um, I do say, hey, send us some feedback, send us some suggestions. And I do want to acknowledge somebody who has been sending me a lot of information that I have not had time to process. And that is John Mark Mobley of the Glenside Color Computer Group. When he heard us talking about this, he sent me an email and even sent me a spreadsheet that if you put some numbers in, it would make a graph on the spreadsheet. And as soon as I saw that, my head just exploded. I'm like, wait a second. This is like, now we're getting into math and science and graphing. And uh, I, this is, you know, um, you know, simple is, is what simple does for me. So I really couldn't, um, I couldn't fully wrap my brain around it. And then he also sent me another little program in basic that showed you how to poke a certain value to a particular address for the DAC to output sound. Um, in a semi-assembly fashion. So John has sent me a few things, and I do want to try to, maybe later this weekend, sit down and digest those and, and show them off and give him credit for, for doing that. Um, so as much as we say, hey, send us some feedback, um, there, there, sometimes I get it and I, and I either forget about it or I don't know what to do with it or I just don't have time. So, you know, uh, hypocrite here, raising the flag. Um, so, okay, so cool. Thanks for showing that. And that actually sounded really good. That sound, I like, 
So help me understand this, because most of the four-voice Coco music all sounded like the same instrument, and it was very organ-sounding, you know, like the William Tell Orchestra, for example, even like Donkey King. So a lot of us, um, the, um, what was the submarine one um, with the Welcome Aboard Captain? Sea Dragon. So a lot of that, they all sounded exactly the same. They all sounded kind of like that, what I call the Coco organ. They pretty well use the same engine. (laughs) Use the same engine, right? So, so what is it that made all of them sound the same? Part of it is they're taking the same code. Is it have something to do with this waveform thing that we're talking about now, too? Um, yes, it's a simple answer. Okay. I mean, I, I got to the point where I recognized that sound routine. If you're loading it off cassette, you would hear a certain pitch during the cassette stream that always sounded the same. You knew it had the four voice routine in it because everybody was using the same one. Donkey King had it. Sea Dragon had it. Yeah. Uh, the William Till Overture did. Now, there were some earlier ones before that. Um, if you go back to The Composer by Speech Systems, which came out in 82, 83, it was a scratchier four-voice. Its waveform wasn't as good. You can recognize those, too. It does do four-voice, but it's a it's a scratchier, not quite as clean-sounding as the organ one you're talking about. Okay. And then you got a few others that started, like like Musica 2 and, and Lyra allowed you to adjust the voices a little bit. It still was somewhat organy, but you could vary it a little bit and get some, like, you know, waver and stuff like that in there and get a little bit of a different sound. So you'll hear some of the stuff done in Musica. Um, like there's a Van Halen cover of uh, I'll Wait, I think it is. It actually uses a bit of a different voicing. Yeah. It's still organy, but it, yeah, it's it a bit different. Good. Sounded yeah. a little bit more like a synthesizer, yeah. Synther 7 is another one. It only did single voice, but you could ad- actually adjust all the different parameters and get all these weird sounding. Crumphorn was one of their sample ones, which was kind of gross yeah. sounding, but. Uh, home computer museum just says hello from the netherlands all right so simon jonason's neighbor <laughs> is no is the netherlands like similar to denmark i'm not sure i think they're fairly close to each other I'm not positive but i believe they're adjacent so if not yeah. uh, germany's between them but <laughs> okay so whizzy bart whizzy bart is that you are you uh home computer uh, museum positive but I believe they're adjacent, so if not Germany. You got a you got to mute your audio or put on headphones, Wizzy Bart. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm gonna hang up on you for just a second until you can fix that because we're getting a sound loop here. Um, all right, so Holland, Holland. Um, <laughs> Nick Morota says, "Isn't Lyrica a drug?" Yes, that sounds like a uh, <laughs> sounds like something you do to reduce cholesterol or help with diabetes <laughs> or something. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll get to Nick's blog in just a minute. So, yeah, I have noticed, though, that, you know, there was a lot of the stuff that sounded almost the same, sounded like an organ. And then there was a few things that did sound more like um, a synthesizer. And and also, speaking of this month's Coco Crew podcast, we did have our very own Simon Jonasson on there talking about his sawtooth pattern and how he uses that to make sound. And I, I happen to like some of Simon's demos with the sound. And I, I like how his sound is very, I call it crunchy. You know, it's got that really cool crunchy sound to it because it doesn't sound like what you usually get out of the Coco. It sounds more like a lo-fi synth, you know, which is very, to me, period appropriate too. So, um, yeah. Cool stuff. All right. So we do want to, and maybe we'll play a quick um, teaser clip for this too. So I do want to share with you that uh, next Saturday on 
CocoTalk.Live, our very own resident Canadian, D. Bruce Moore, will be doing a world premiere of, the, of, the, of at least one, if not more, episodes of Coco Forever. So as most of you are aware, Coco Forever is kind of this audio drama that he's been working on that takes place in the alternate universe of the color computer. What if you could go back in time? And let me just play the clip for that right now because I'm just, I've already screwed it up. Here we go. Here is Coco Forever teaser number three. What if you could go back in time to just the right moment and ensure that Tandy won? You definitely earned this office. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. Life has been a dream. <laughs> but what if you went back to the wrong moment? Give me that. How do you even know what that was? Listen, <laughs> but I don't really care about back. these blueprints. I just want... Say, who are you? You want to spy for you... Commodore or something, are you? Just move! Oh. Hey, hold the elevator! Hold the up! Stop right there! Whoa, whoa, no need for guns! No need for guns! So, Mr. Anders, it seems you have stumbled upon my little secret. There is no point in waiting for security. I think you are about to have an accident. Okay, no, 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 no! Coco, forever? All right, now, Wizzy Bart, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. And who the hell are you? <laughs> are you our friend from the Netherlands? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the most idiot guy from the Netherlands because ah. I own, I, I think I have the, the largest collection of Tandy computers in yes, Europe. Yes, I'm a big fan of your uh, postings. Cool. I will, we'll get back to you in a minute. Thanks for being here. I'm glad we got the sound sure. cleared up. I'm sorry that I, I had to... Hang up on you once or twice because we're getting a lot of sound feedback. Sounds like you got that <laughs> fixed. Um, thanks for being here, and we'll get back to you in just a minute. So don't go anywhere. Um, and then, so let so so yeah. So as we continue through the news items here, so next week will be the launch party. And let me explain how this is going to work for those of you on the panel too. So usually, what I do for this show is I share system sound, so you guys can hear system sound, right? Now, Bruce is very adamant about the audio fidelity of this being sent out as rich as possible. And it is in full stereo. He has rendered this at like 256 kilobits audio and things like that. And he wants everybody to hear it as 
um, purely as possible. So what we're going to have to do when we play these clips next week is that, number one, I will not be sharing system sound. Uh, number two, I'm going to have to mute Skype completely. And then, so in order for you guys to hear this, if you want to hear it, you're going to need to put in headphones and listen to the um, listen to it straight from YouTube because I'll be streaming in stereo. I typically don't stream in stereo either to save bandwidth. So he wants it in stereo. He wants the maximum fidelity. So when we play these clips next week, I'll be streaming 192 kilobits, which is as high as I can stream stereo. And if you want to hear it, then you're going to have to listen to it on YouTube. Does that make sense? Everybody following me there? Yep. Okay. Um, so because Bruce and I did several tests on, um, on what we could do and what does it sound like on YouTube and when you download the file, what's the, what's the quality. And because this is audio and because Bruce is a musician and a producer, etc., it's important to him that people hear it as clearly as possible. So we're doing the best that we can do with live streaming. And so in order to help do that, as <laughs> Jim Brain saying, D. Bruce Moore, the pinnacle of flexibility. <laughs> He's no diva. <laughs> so that's how. And that's only red M and M's will be served during the show. Yeah, where are my red M and M's? So, um, so that's going to happen next week during the show. So we'll we'll, we'll re-remind everybody and make that announcement for those of us on the panel. If you want to hear it in the full stereoscopic experience, you will need to switch over to the YouTube stream momentarily. All right. So we're moving on with the news. Now we get into Nick Morenti's blog. And since I don't have to read right now, I've got Nick here. You want to give us the cliff notes on this, Nick? And and by the way, there are links to all of this in the description of this video. So the latest latest blog on Funstar, available on ROM cartridge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let There Be Music, part two. And Basic Never Looks So Good. Where am I going, Nick? To... Okay, here I am. I've just unmuted. Here we go. Um, yeah, so... Um... Just uh, covering what we were saying before about the sound, I, I don't cover the entire sound generation of Coco. I basically just uh, covered the four channel because uh, I think we were you were asking uh, a couple of weeks ago, how do we generate four voice music? And there was all this talk about mm -hmm. ways of doing it that were all confusing. So I tried to make it a bit easier, putting a few diagrams in there of what I... Um, Mm -hmm. of, uh, of of the process. So um, just covering that part alone, if you look there, of course, I've got the pictures on basically what a square wave or how mm -hmm. to rather create a square wave. Um, and I talk, I won't go into all the detail, people can just read that, but you've mm -hmm. got the DAC, of course, which is six bits, which allows values 0 to 63, and it's just about toggling those values or, or, or jumping between different values of the DAC uh, to make the speaker effectively move back and forth. So the top diagrams show a few square waves as I jump mm -hmm. back between 0 and 63 with the maximum number. Mm -hmm. Or if you want the same sound but lower, just bounce between two lower numbers, 0 to 5. And that's then lower go, volume or is that lower pitch? Uh, lower volume. So I, I don't just talk so anything know. about the pitch. The pitch, uh, which I haven't mentioned in there, is about how long you sustain that volume. So, you know, I, I go from 0 to 63 and then the length of time I spend um, uh, at, at 63 and then drop back to 0, that's, that's what 
governs the frequency. Anyway, I don't go into all that detail. I'm just mm -hmm. basically trying to say, I'm trying to explain how to actually mix uh, four, four voices up. So this is, this is about how to create one voice up the top. Mm -hmm. And then I go a bit further down because one thing I do on uh, on the uh, GMC program is I don't use zero as the base um, as the base uh, voltage. I use thirty one, which is halfway up, and make the wave bounce either side of it. Um, I think it just allows for a, a slightly cleaner sound um, if you do that. Um, so that's basically one voice. And then I go and explain about how do you do four of them. And before I go into that, I do explain the whole DAC thing about okay. what, what, what you asked before about is it a bite and all that. And it is, but I also explain the other problem that that bite doesn't just do the DAC. It also does the RS-232 and the cassette. And you have to take that into account because you can't just write values to the DAC because you could also be writing to the RS-232. Mm. And anyone... A lot of a lot of old Coco Two games. When you played the game yeah. and you happened to have your printer turned on, right. would start buzzing and printing because they haven't taken into account the fact that data they write to the DAC is also leaking out to that RS two three two port, making right. the printer go. So I, I cover that about how why it does that and how to avoid that. So I cover that. And then I go back into how to actually mix four voices, which okay. is basically adding the four numbers together, which, uh, uh, and I won't go into the detail again, mm -hmm. as I said, um, it, it, the, the now, four voices. Is, is this doing binary ads? Uh, well, no, no, it's decimal. You can do decimal. Yep. So if, if, if the maximum DAC value is... 63 0 to right. 63 right uh you basically four of those um adds up to 252 or, or so, it, yeah, it becomes like an eight, eight yeah it becomes an eight bit value then mm -hmm. so they're each six six bit values but when you add four of them together you end up with an eight bit value right and you the way the DAC's positioned, it works out nicely because you can then take that 8-bit value and just throw it straight to address FF20. Okay. And it happens to just fill in nicely back bits 2 to 7, which is uh, the upper 6 bits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because otherwise but you would have to shift them right by, basically divide by 4. shift them, yeah. I, I do right. explain normally if it was one byte, you'd have to get your 0 to 63, and then you'd have to shift them so that you... Um, keep them away from bits of zero and one. But when you've got four, you don't have to shift them because right. the addition shifts them. And then you either have to mask out the bottom zero bits of zero and one so that you don't touch those. So you so you don't have a printer go off crazily, or your, or a drive wire or whatever you've got hooked up to your serial port. You you either mask them out. Um, that does mean that the the overall addition of all those sounds is slightly in error. So there is a bit of uh, uh, quality loss because of that, because we're effectively converting a six, an 8-bit sound then to 6 bits. But those two bits represent the very soft parts of the sound, so you can get away with it. 
the, the the real meat of the sound is in the in the upper bits anyway. So you can either mask them out, or I do explain in the in the routine another trick I do to reprogram the PIA so that um, the Yaris two three two bit bit uh, one uh, becomes a input. So you can write whatever you want to it then, and it goes nowhere. It doesn't go so anywhere. Right. That's right. So that saves having to mask it out. Sure, already. sure. Right. It, that's solely there just for um, for speed, um, because the faster I can make the routine, the clearer the the, the sound quality okay, is. Okay, and so the address is this FF20. That's yes, the address F- of the DAC. That's right. And so that's, the, that's right. I don't cover the setting up of the DAC in that. That's what um, the Coco Crew podcast probably covers in more detail. Um, so you have to sort of set up your your DAC and 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 uh, activate the, your your uh, sound DAC sound as well. So I, I don't cover that. Once that is all done, then you just basically write to that FF two O. Yes. Okay. So you end up sending one byte or eight bits. It's there. just one byte. Or right. And yeah. and um, I think John Linville mentioned the same thing. So the timing is just very. Uh, Ironic, well, yeah. Right? yeah, so yeah, your pitches are based on the timing. The the faster you do the transitions, the higher of a note you can get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and basically, the Coles Notes version of this is that you take the number of voices you want. You have a six bit DAC, so it gives you zero sixty three. You add all your different ones voices together, whatever the values are for each voice, and divide by the number of voices. So, if you have two voices, you have two samples. You add them together. You divide, you divide by, by two. two. If you had three, you divide by three. If it's four, you divide by four. And that gives you the resulting six-bit merged version of them all. And and it just turns out that four voices, mathematically and bit-wise, turns out to be the perfect storm of well, not having to right. do any math, right? The bits yeah. automatically go up the top. So all you have right. to do is just deal with those bottom bits. Um, so would it make sense to write all sound routines as if they were four voice, even if you're only using one or two, and just have the other ones be empty voices? from pro- uh, Programmatically? You, you, you could. I mean, basically, you would just shift it up one extra position if you want to do two voices, for example. So you do two mm-hmm. ads and then one shift, and you'd basically be getting the same result. Yes, which, right. We, yeah. Which means you don't have to do four ads, so it would be a little bit faster, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, hope, so... Hope, it, hope, hopefully, my explanation is... Uh, is uh, <laughs> clear. Yes, um, yeah, it is. It is. But yeah, so you you answered the last piece of the puzzle, which was when you make the statement of all you got to do is send the values to the DAC. Um, and again, I'm not criticizing anybody, but what do you need to do to send values to the DAC? That has now been explained. It's a byte of information that goes to address FF20. And John may have mentioned right. that too. He may have already mentioned here. <laughs> Speaking of John Mark Mobley. John has just joined us. Hey, John. Hello. Is my microphone working? Your microphone is working. And I don't know if you were listening earlier, but I did mention you had sent me a lot of information that my feeble mind is just not able to understand just yet. But I did give you credit for trying to help explain this. I have not been able to fully understand it. I think we have now done a fairly adequate job, but I still do want to go back and show off. Actually, since you're here, John. How about do you, you mind if I bring up that email? And sure. you, had, you had so um, so yeah, we're we're getting really into the uh, nitty gritty here now, folks. But um, but John had sent me a um, uh, uh, what you call it uh, a, a spreadsheet, right? So I'm going to pull that up, and 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 I was already just like 
I was lost <laughs> because now we're getting into numbers and stuff like that. But let me find, uh, let me find your email, uh, John, and I want to pull that one up because it was kind of cool. So computer generated audio. So one of them was a program, which I haven't had a chance to look at. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. By the way, how are you? Fine. And we also have a new friend of the show too here. So while I'm pulling this up, why don't we get our friend, Wizzy Bart from the Netherlands. Why don't you do a quick introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your museum while I pull up this spreadsheet here. Real quick, sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, that's no problem. <laughs> I'm used to that. I run a museum. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what I do. I, um, uh, unlike many others in the Netherlands, um, my first computer was actually a Tandy Color Computer 2. Uh, what you Americans call uh, the white model is... Uh, the Color Computer 2 in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. or at least in. And uh, I still have that one, and it's uh, in the museum as well. So uh, th- that's my first computer. And if you go back, uh, that's when the idea probably started to make a museum. And uh, late in the end of 2016, when I was already collecting computers, um, the idea occurred to start a museum in the Netherlands, uh, an interactive computer museum. So basically that means all computers in this museum, which are currently around 150 computers, uh, which are on. You can actually sit behind them and play with them and use them as you please, including a lot of Cocos and uh, a lot of other attendees and several uh, computers which you American people don't know even about. Uh, we have them here, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing at this moment. Yeah. Uh, j- just so you know, uh, in America, if we don't know about something, it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> we plead I think ignorance. Technically, <laughs> some of us are Canadian. <laughs> that's okay. They don't know about us Canadians either. So yeah, uh, we're getting comments now. Fedor says you've got a delightful Dutch accent here. I. I, I <laughs> <laughs> No, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, I've been following a lot of your posting. It it is nice that you have that definitely Europeans' largest collection of Tandy machines. I don't know if it's the world's, but it doesn't matter. It's not a con- it's no, not a, con- it's not it's not a competition. Um, no, it's- now yours I- are ant free though, right? Unlike Simon's. Uh, there's no ants crawling that, around inside of them. That was a common. No, no, absolutely not. Totally no, different machine. No. The only the only thing that that happens a lot here is smoke is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, all tendies are are at least coming. Uh, when I turn them on, the smoke comes out, and then I have to repair them again. And then, yeah, it's, I have some very rare models, which is awesome. I have a I have That's a first working model sixteen. Oh, and that's a sixty-eight thousand Z80 version, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's the the. Uh, the last, uh, the, the, the 6000 is the last one of the TRS-80, um, and the uh, Model 16 was the one before. So it has a 68000 CPU inside and a Z80. And that's nice. I also have a Model 2, talking about big machines. Yeah, that's, uh, those, those are actually the two rarest models I have uh, from Tandy. Uh, I also have the MC10, uh, but then the European version. I have two of them, boxed. Two MC10 European version boxed. Wow. 
And uh, yeah, all color computers, also the, the very first one, color computer one um, in both versions. Uh, the color computer three in, well, at least the, the different cases. I don't have all versions, but I have all cases. So the long version, the white model, and the Radio Shack one and the Tandy one. And I have two model, uh, two color computer threes. Both are NTSC uh, USA models. So I'm still searching for an Australian one because that's the one I'm missing. That one is Paul, and I need Paul one, <laughs> just for the heck of it. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe a little bit later when we get through the news here, if you give us the link, we'll 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 pull up some of your stuff either on your YouTube channel or on, on your site, and we can show off some of the pictures of that too. Yeah, and a few pictures there. We have uh, the, my my uh, YouTube channel is just Home Computer Museum. Mm-hmm. And uh, the website is uh, www.homecomputermuseum.nl, which is also in English, by the way. Let me put that in the link right now. So it's um, www.homecomputer. Has somebody help me with the, how to spelling of museum? I know there's an M U S E U M E U M dot what now? NL. NL. November Lemur. Okay, homecomputermuseum.nl. All right, so we got that in the chat. All right, very cool. So we'll get back to that, but thanks for joining us. So now John Mark Mobley sent me this spreadsheet, and the minute I saw it, my head exploded because it looked like a science project, and <laughs> I'm not good with math or science or anything technical. So um, <laughs> so now that we have you here, John, why don't you help me show it? Because when we first started talking about generating sound, uh, John jumped in and sent me this email, and I just didn't have time to really wrap my brain around it. So what am I looking at here, John? And, and what can we show? What, how, what can we do for the folks at home? What is, um, well, um, we can. Um, what what we're looking at is um, a waveform voltage or amplitude on the y-axis, I guess, and time on the x-axis. Okay. And we're actually seeing how two sine waves mix in a mixer to produce uh, two tones at once. It's like, how can a speaker vibrate at two frequencies at once? And, and this is kind of showing one wave riding on another wave and mm. how how um, I think uh, one frequency is eight times higher the other. Um, you can um, simplify this um, by changing the amplitude of channel two to zero. So if you just type so a zero that. in that, um, now it's, um, it's, it's rescaled the amplitude because uh, that's what Excel spread spreadsheets tend to do but now you're seeing just a single frequency that's a sine wave yeah that's a sine wave and it's called a sine wave because it's got the round smooth curvies to it right whereas yeah. a, a square wave would have flat tops and there would not be this downward slope it would be flat on top flat on bottom and straight line in between like digital right like a, this is kind of like looking through a um what do they call those meters the oscilloscope it's kind of like looking yes. at a signal through an oscilloscope. So this is what an analog signal would look like in an oscilloscope versus a digital signal. Uh, right. Sine uh, wave is kind of like analog. 
Does that yeah. program allow you to pick the wave? Like, can you show square waves as well? Um, I only put in sine waves for oh, now. Oh, you made your, uh, Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, just to, to change make it simple. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of represents a constant acceleration. So it, it decelerates, and then it stops, and then it begins accelerating in a downward uh, motion, and then it starts decelerating... Um, um, and uh, bottoms out and then starts accelerating back up again. That's, um, it's a normal, natural um, occurring thing in nature is a sine wave. Um, they're found everywhere. And the purest tone is a sine wave. Um, a square wave is actually a mixture of many sine waves, um, although it, it's more complicated to make a square wave that way. Uh, in a computer, um, but um, a whistle is about the purest uh, tone you can make, I think. Um, and so, anyway, you can zero the amplitude of the first channel and put a one in the amplitude of the second channel, and you'll see, now you're seeing the higher frequency. Okay. And then if you put a 1 in each of the amplitudes, then you should see um, the mixture of the two, how the two mix together. And all I'm using is a sum function in the Excel spreadsheet to sum those two frequencies. So, um, and you can add additional frequencies uh, using that spreadsheet and experiment with um, you know, the math of what they call four voices. Um, so is this picture here showing us visually what the combined four voices and as uh, the six bit values are all combined together? This would, this would be like a visual interpretation of the sum of all those four six bit values. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really limiting it to six bit values, I'm using floating point numbers for this example, but um. Okay. But yeah, um, uh, with uh, the 64-bit values, it would have a stair-step kind of a look to it instead of a, a more rounded square wave. But, um, but you, can, you can approximate a sine wave with a 64 stair-steps. Um, but um, yeah, all I'm trying to show is how frequencies mix. Um, when you're doing a synthesizer, you will actually change the amplitude over time in something called an envelope, but like an attack, um, it is an attack. Sustain, delay, that kind of thing? Yeah, attack, release, sustain, attack. Attack, sustain, decay, sustain, re release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um now so the problem like, is, uh, you know... My my program uses square waves solely because they are actually easier and quicker to generate. To create a sine wave on a color computer, it means that you have to divide every every uh, part of the sine wave, the, the the whole curve bit. You, your computer has to be in there to change the the amplitude or setting of the DAC each time in order to generate that sine wave shape. 
uh, a square wave you don't have to do that you just have to set the initial voltage and of course it'll just stay at that point so it just takes up less time to generate square waves on the computer than it uh, uh, using the DAC than it does to have sine waves so okay well yeah the, the sound quality is not quite as good obviously as sine wave will give you it's not sound. no no but you know but it's CPU waves, intensive. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah there's holding up the william barden book there which is good yeah chapter 25 of this book has a very nice explanation of generating um sound in the tandy color computer and he covers many of these uh, topics and examples. And he recommends using square waves. I think he says they're rich in harmonics. Um, and um, I think most of his examples are using square waves. Yeah. Um, I, I think sometimes um, they, um, they recommend reading a large section of ROM and playing it into the um, digital to analog converter and just listen to what sound it makes. <laughs> and it tends, it tends to make these awful explosions and crash kind of sounds. And that turns out to be perfect for video games. Um, so just pumping ROM into the DAC will get you uh, some explosions, huh? Well, yeah. It's, it's, white noise. it's random data, so it becomes yeah. a white or pink noise, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I think cool. Steve Bjork's mentioned he's actually used that technique a few times. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's cool. I think we spent a lot of time on on sound today, so we'll 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 save that. But I would I do want to thank you, John, for sending that to me very timely too. It's been about two or three weeks since you sent me that first email. I just for me, I need time to sit down and digest it, and I just didn't have that time. So um, what's going great. on on this computer back there? Ah, uh, that's the Matrix. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so Evan Wright just chimed in and says, in the game I'm working on now, I play the code to generate static. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, all right, so I, wanna, I do want to um, I do make sure that we not only talk about the Cocoa, but we talk about all things in the Cocoa family here as we go through what's happening this week. So um, Jim Gary, what a surprise, has posted that he's worked on a, a, a game or a program for the MC-10. This one's called Gone Fishing. <laughs> I think it looks kind of cool. So we'll just play a little quick clip about this. And there's links to all of this in the description of this video here. So... I like his sound routine. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's There's a, sine waves. <laughs> that's an oval, oval wave. He caught a fish. Listen to that multi-voice, both yeah. music and sound effects. <laughs> I'm you must Yeah. I don't know why this is not showing all of the wow. screen now. I'm gonna buy myself an I'm gonna buy myself an MC10. That's way better. <laughs> we got a gun completely short of Alright. So, as we've seen here, this is Gone Fishing. So, another cute little addition to the MC-10 lineup here. Looks good. Yeah, Jim Gary's sound routine is definitely a lot better than uh, 
the Knicks at this point. <laughs> so, so Jim <laughs> <Everybody> says, <laughs> apparently Jim's doing the exact opposite. He says, oh, yeah? Well, in the game I'm working on now, I play the static to generate the code. <laughs> so we got to do, uh, <laughs> we got to give them props there. So, yes, so we do want to make sure that we do showcase some things that do occur on the MC10 group here, too. We are not elitist or exclusive here on uh, Coco Talk. Another thing that came up on uh, the MC10 group was, I guess they came across the video that we showed off recently, which is the, um, uh, and this is our friend of the show now, Wayne Aaron. He's working on a Coco-inspired game that I think is playing on the Macintosh, and this one's called um, MC10 versus the Coco 3. And so that came up on the MC10 group this week. And so here we see a little bit of that video and make that full screen. And yeah, I'm not sure why this is now cutting off here. So uh, I got to try to figure that part out. There we go. So here on the right hand side, you see the MC 10 is shooting cassettes, cassette players towards the Coco. Coco is picking up some floppy disks for, I guess, points or power or something. And it's in the MC-10 is moving back and forth, firing cassettes, and the Coco fires back with a floppy drive and controller. Um, so kind of a cool sort of like Pong battle, Pong war type thing going on here. Looks kind of cute. And so it's just inspired by the Coco 3 and the MC-10 and all the love that we show the MC-10 here on this show, right? So I thought that was kind of cute. That came up in the, um, in the MC-10 group. Couple of things from the Dragon Group. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but there, I guess, there was a show in the UK called Mainframe that talked about computer stuff, and apparently they had this. And this is, I think, this showed up in the Coco Group this work this week too. But they had these things here that are called what is the name for them? Flexi disks. Flexi disk, right? So the flexi disk, and I know the Rainbow had done something like this too, and the Rainbow had like a little. Yeah. mini... their uh, second anniversary four? edition, July '83, right. had three programs on a flexi disk. So the flexi disc this was a seven-inch, um, basically a vinyl, like a vinyl album type thing you'd play on a record player, and it would get you the audio that would have been the data that was on a cassette tape, right? So yeah. um, this is an interesting way to distribute that. And apparently, there's there, there's been a handful of these from this show called Mainframe, and there was look, apparently four tracks on here. So this particular one might have been audio, and then there was a game for a um, BBC Micro home computer. There's one for the Spectrum home computer, and then one for the Dragon. So a couple different. And as as our friend from the Netherlands says, that there's a lot of other systems that us in the U.S. would not necessarily be as, as familiar with. But I am familiar with the names of like the Acorn and the BBC Micro and things like that. So I'm familiar with them in name, but I've never actually seen them because I wasn't in Europe in the 80s. But yeah. Um, well, the MC10, the MC10 is basically Tendi's uh, answer to the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's the same size, so it's uh, except for the Spectrum was more successful in many ways. Uh, it was distributed in England a lot, and a lot of Dutch people also used the Spectrum as well. Yeah, yeah. And Acorn uh, was uh, an employee of Spectrum or of Sinclair. Okay. And he started his own company for Acorn Computers, and in the end, Acorn um, uh, Computers made a computer that the BBC used for uh, education purposes. Hmm. And that's a BBC computer. So a BBC computer is technically an Acorn computer. 
Ah, okay. Okay. Very cool. And I, and, and of course there is, there is a Facebook group for the dragon as well. And, and the, there is a very cool website for the dragon. That is the world of dragon.org. And on part of the world of dragon.org is also an archive. So this would be like the version of our color computer archive. And I do have my Tano dragon and I haven't dug into it too deeply, but I am looking forward to messing around with it, hopefully in the near future and starting to explore some of the dragon titles. And so um, there will be links to this as well. Um, and so this is worldofdragon.org is the parent site and the archive site is called archive.worldofdragon.org. So if you're looking for dragon software, make sure you check that out. Yeah, you're still missing the first character of your typing there. So sorry about that. And so another, this, this question came up and I thought I would just show this picture. This is also from our dragon group on Facebook. Um, and now you got to T and true. So when you look at this video here, this is showing off the dragon I want to say Coco but it's a dragon and you notice how we've got these random characters on the screen even though it says okay and the cursor is blinking and I don't know if he got an answer to his question on why his dragon is doing this but based on what you guys see here can you think of any reason why you're getting this uh, train of characters on on the screen when you turn on a, a Coco type system one of the comments in the uh, responding to that uh, his question of what's wrong with his dragon was suggesting it might be RAM chips. Okay. Or a RAM chip. A RAM chip. Okay. Because the ROM's obviously running, and some RAM's yeah, running. Otherwise, the ROM wouldn't be able to boot. But. Right. Right. And so yeah, that's just it's kind of a funky display there, right? And so um, there's the video of it. Let's go back. Uh, Everything in the I, dragon is socketed, so you know, check check all the chips. Oh, Reseat. the RAM socketed, so just reset them, huh? Everything. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Or you I can move them seeing, around and see if the problem yeah. moves to somewhere else too. <laughs> yep. I I love seeing pictures like these, the the cassette game. So the dragon was much more on uh, cassette stuff, m more distributed on cassette than on disc, and. And it's really cool to see these pictures. I love people posting their collections of the different cassettes. And a lot of times we'll see the same games that we had on the Coco just packaged slightly differently and on cassette form. So I love seeing pictures like that. Now, I love to collect, but I'm out of um, room and I'm kind of out of money now at this point, too. So I think I would probably want to go for something like the Coco SDC for the Dragon. I know they have one that plays cassette files. I forgot what that product was called. But I would probably want to get one of those and just have all the cast files on that SD card and load them that way. As much as I'd like to physically collect them, I'll be just as happy to have them to play. You know, Coco SDC uh, does work on the Dragon. Yeah, but with disk images. There's another product that used that plays cassette files off of the SD card. That's more. It's a Dragon specific product. Yeah, Dragon MMC or something like that. That might be it. That might be it. So. Um, Let's talk about events here for just a second here. Um, so Tandy Assembly is on the horizon. Hopefully we'll have more information about Tandy Assembly in the near future. But we do have the dates. Well, now we can pre-register. So you, this is kind of like the Atari VCS, right? Is this vaporware? No, this is really happening, right? So <laughs> you can pre-register. Tandy Assembly is happening. So you can register um, $10 per attendee. Children under 12 are free. All proceeds go to pay for the event costs, just like CocoFest. And you can register prepay, pre-register on PayPal to avoid waiting in line to have a um, 
receipt printer print out your receipt when you check in. So um, now what we do know about the venue is we know the dates and we know where it's going to be. What I don't think we have just yet is the price. I think they might still be working on negotiating that price, but it's going to be at the courtyard by Marriott's Springfield in downtown Springfield, Ohio. And the actual date is um, November 10th and November 11th. Now, is that and near so, the, the Mr. Burns uh, nuclear facility or? You know what? Um, I think, I think, I think they had their fill of Simpsons jokes, you know, six months ago when they posted that they were going to put it in Springfield. But yes, it could be. Uh, so this is TandyAssembly.com, right? So this is like our second Cocoa Fest-ish type event. For, so all in the flavor of Tandy and TRS-80 products last year was a great success. So I think the last piece of the puzzle right now is we're looking for is what is the room going to cost? Now, Grant mentioned last week, is Greg still with us? He is. I think he booked a room for 90 and change because he got it at a military rate. So we're hoping that that will be the ultimate rate that they get to. But that will be to be determined. But uh, save the date. Mark your calendar for November 10th and 11th, Springfield, Ohio. Tandy Assembly 2 is going to be happening. Um, and before that even happens, and this is an event I'm hoping to attend too with Greg. Greg and I are going to be spooning together in that king-size bed, as we talked about Jesus last week. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um, so VCF Midwest 13. So what is the date of this? This is in August or September? September 15th and 16th, right? So this is in Elk Grove, Illinois. This is very close to where Cocoa Fest. As a matter of fact, this is where Cocoa Fest used to be, right? Right? And so this is over a weekend, and this is VCF Midwest. I have never been to a VCF, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, so what is it? Um, Timmons. What's his? Jason Timmons, right? He's the one who's come to the past two Cocoa Fest to help with the auction. And he's one of the guys who does the, um, he does the, um, VC, he's part of the, he's part of the VCF part, right? So, um, so um, Grant is going to be there. I'm planning on being there. I know Jim Brain and Retro Innovations is going to be there. Um, what I am hoping to be able to show off at VCF Midwest is number one, this is where I'm picking up the Tandy 1000 I purchased. So I'm going to hope to be able to show off the original Cosmic Aliens game on the original Tandy 1000 system I wrote it for. And I'm also hoping to have enough progress on the Coco version of Cosmic Aliens to have a playable demo of the Coco port of Cosmic Aliens. So I want to be able to show off the original game on the original hardware and the new game on the Coco. So that's kind of my plan for um, my table or exhibit at, um, at VCF. So we got, we got that. And then last but not least, what we'll show off here real quick, and I won't play the whole video, but there is a link to this in the description of this video. But Curtis Boyle found a YouTube channel. Um, this guy's name is HiRoDooV2D. I don't know. I can't read. Um, but he did a long play of Donkey King. It's 28 minutes long. But what you will see is all of the main four levels being played through. Um, I do have a similar video to this as well, but you see the first level, which is the um, the ladders. You'll see the second level, which is the um, girders, and then obviously it repeats back to the ladders phase, and then it gets to the elevator phase, 
Um, this is a nice clean capture, so I'm assuming this is done with um, uh, like XROAR or something like that. So then the, the elevators goes to the rivets a little bit harder, then we get more barrels, and then we get to the elevator factory, right? So, um, so he's played through this several times and shown all four levels and shown how the difficulty increases. So if you want to see 28 minutes of Donkey King, We've got the link for you in the description. On his same channel too, Curtis also pointed out that he played through Donkey Monkey. And apparently there's a pie factory in the Donkey Monkey too, which I never made it to. So on this same no. channel here. Um, no, there's just the two levels. There's the uh, the rivet slash elevator combo screen, and then there's the uh, the barrel screen. Oh, so there isn't there wasn't a um, there wasn't a cement factory screen. No, not in not in Donkey Monkey. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. So that was news. I think we've covered plenty of news. We're almost at two hours worth of our show, so it's probably time to take another quick break. But um, did I miss anything? Did anybody need to chime in on what we talked about so far? don't think so. We did a good job. I want to thank John for helping us, John Mark Mobley, for coming in and helping us look at sound. Um, cool stuff. Oh, one, one, one news one item I should mention, I guess, and especially that John's here because John's the one who sent it out to everybody, is to solicit for articles for the Glenside newsletter. Oh, you want to you wanna remind everybody what you're looking for right now, John Mark Mobley? You're muted. If you're talking, we can't hear you. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was muted. Um, um, we're... Um, you know, generally we're looking for something about the cocoa or electronics. Um, I have a, a, a degree in electronic engineering technology. And so I, I um, often want to write something about, you know, how is uh, resistance and impedance and conductance and admittance related to each other, you know. I don't. I don't know that. Um, I don't know how much of the audience would be interested in an article like that. Um, but um, but you know, how does sound work on the cocoa? Might make a nice article. Or mm -hmm. um, um, how to get introduced to assembly language by Stephen Strobridge would be a nice article. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's, what's the deadline for the next, next newsletter? When's the next newsletter due out? Well, um, it, it, it's due out on the first of, of uh, spring, the first of summer, the first of autumn, and the first of winter. Um, it could be late. It could be like a week late coming out sometimes, but I try to hit those dates. Um, I usually need something like uh, a week earlier or two weeks earlier so I can get it into the newsletter in time. So it's almost too late now, but you could do something for the next for the next newsletter. Um, I'm I'm working on it right now. I'm working on the photographs I took at the Cocoa Fest and. Um, Bob Swoger is very particular about how the pictures look in the newsletter, so I have to white balance <laughs> them and crop them properly. Right. Um, in the last newsletter, Bob took it on himself to edit a number of the pictures, but his vision is going. 
and he wound up kind of washing out all the colors and making them brighter and they they really looked worse when he was done with them so um, we should hire him for our show that's what we kind of do that kind of stuff all the time here. Um, we, need to, we need to wash this whole thing out yeah. he, I, I've, I've tried to explain to him how how bad it turned out um, but he he just doesn't realize that he just can't he doesn't know that his vision has uh, deteriorated that much. So he he doesn't quite understand. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I shouldn't be laughing at that fact, but it is kind of funny that the picture just got that way. But yeah, it's no laughing matter when you when uh, when you, you know, our our senses start to leave us. So um, <laughs> don't want to seem too insensitive there. So um, yeah. All right. So how do how do we do that? Do you want people to email you? Do you want them to go to the website glensideccc.com? What's the best way? What's the best single place to send? information um, for the Glenside newsletter too. Well they usually email it to me at johnmarkmelanie at gmail.com um, I think it's in the newsletter the address um, and um, the Glenside website has a contact us portion so you could get a hold of me and I could email you back my email address and um, but um, but yeah um, um, we, um, we, uh, we need stuff. Uh, Salvador Garcia has been helping me a lot lately with the newsletter, but his father is currently sick and he's not in a mood for writing right now. No, uh, that's understandable. Okay. Is there All any right. particular format we should send him in like raw text or Microsoft Word? Like anything that makes it um, easier for you guys? Well, I, I could send you a sample Microsoft Word document. Um, you could see how how we use the column. We tend to put a column down the middle of the page and do two columns. And um, so you can kind of format your pictures to fit in a two-column mode and stuff like that. But um, I also have um, other... Um, word processors i could probably accept the file in I'm trying to remember what it's called um vista or no um it it i think it used to be called open office and then it changed its name to well, LibreOffice. office Lib LibreOffice, yeah, yeah. LibreOffice. so if, if you wanted to do word or LibreOffice, that would be fine um and i can i convert it into word because that's what bob swoger uses and then I place it into a shared folder with Bob Swoger on Dropbox. And then um, we take turns working on it. Okay. Um, I posted your email address out there in the live chat, too, so anybody. So it's John Mark Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, at gmail.com. Now, Mikey um, just chimed in too. Mikey says he missed part of the conversation where we were showing off your spreadsheet and how it made the sine waves. Do you mind if I share that with anyone? Oh yeah, you can share that with anyone. Yeah. All right. So so if you guys want to get it, you can also email John Mark at the same address that I just posted, or if you want to email me or email Coco Talk at CocoTalk.live, we'll be happy to forward and share um, that spreadsheet because it is kind of cool. It is it is for me, it is always easier to see something that's visual than just to hear it being spoken about 
Although, um, again, and I think Nick did kind of both with his blog. He wrote about it and he showed it off. And I think John Linville did a great job this month, too, explaining Coco hardware as well. So I think at this point now we can, that we can for the most part, say we've beat sound to death, right? <laughs> All right. Again. <laughs> again. For this week. Right. For this week. Right. What is the sound of beating something to death? Well, just listen to the past four weeks of our show. Let me punch that in uh, the spreadsheet. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Can we All right, so We have completed the news article. Let's take another quick break, and we'll come back. And if you want, we could get uh, Bart. If you want to, um, if you want to give me some links again, I'd love to pull up your um, some websites that you would like to show off, either your Facebook group or YouTube or website, and show off some of your museum, if you don't mind. Sure. So, um, so let's take another quick commercial break, and we'll be back, and then we can look at the uh, the Netherlands' largest Tandy Museum <laughs> when we come back. Hello, this is Grant Leedy with Coco Talk. Got your Coco Three yet? Right, what is wrong with my commercial? Uh, the commercial loop is having an issue here. What is the issue with my commercials? I don't know. All right, maybe that's just um, maybe that's just karma saying, "Dude, you've done enough commercials." I don't know. Yeah, because the commercial loop thing is not playing right now. I've just got a black screen. Um, yeah, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Black hand sandwich says darkness. Yes. So I don't know what's going on here. All right. So the commercial loop just went caca. So how about we do this? In in lieu of that, how about we play another switcheroo ad? Switcheroo, the RGB discard solution for the Color Computer 3. Use your Coco with a modern display. Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. The Switcheroo, as Australian as Outback Steakhouse. Coco3scartcable.com. <laughs> All right, you got to love that. As Australian as Outback Steakhouse. That's like as Italian as the Olive Garden. <laughs> All right, so Bart, where should I go to show off your museum? What's what's a good place to start? Um, well, Facebook, I guess. <laughs> okay. But there are a lot of more computers than only Tandy. I have uh, sure over five hundred computers here. So. And what's what's the name of the Facebook group again? Uh, well, that's uh, Ho Home Computer Museum, right? NL Computer Museum. That's the address. There we go. Home. Okay. So let me switch over to this right now, and we'll show this off real quick. Uh, where is my thing? Okay. So here we go. So it is facebook.com slash NL Computer Museum. And this is the Home Computer Museum. That's um, correct. At, at NL Computer Museum. And... Uh, so what you so what would you like to um, I'm just going to scroll through here. Tell me where to go and what what we should be looking at here. 
I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. <laughs> the first posting I see here is, I think, a link to your website. So it's a nonprofit organization. Yes, it is. All right. Well, you also you have some you have some like non English letters up here. <laughs> so I can't even read what some of that says here. So here's a post from the Home Computer Museum. Well, then we, we are a museum, so yeah, expect to have some touch inside. <laughs> here's an eight hundred three eight six DX with a zip drive. Where's the zip drive? Oh, up here on top. Yeah, the zip yeah. drive. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I I had those zip drives. And I remember it was a 25-pin cable, and you could go parallel yeah. or SCSI on those things. Yeah, and uh, later versions are you even USB. So. Yeah. Oh, I never saw those. I remember some IDE versions of those. Or um, yeah. But I, I always used to joke that if you plugged it into the parallel port, they didn't call it zip because of the speed. <laughs> because <laughs> it was like a hundred megabyte capacity, and it felt like it took about 45 minutes to get any data off of it over parallel. Um, yeah, something like that. It's 100 megabytes. I, yeah. I didn't test uh, to, to get data off it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember you posting this too. I commented on this, how you had it connected to a green screen monitor. And yeah. you got your, your website up on monochrome. That is so cool. To me, it's, it's very nostalgic now to see um, monochrome stuff and to see things on monochrome. I remember Ron Delvaux had posted a picture where he had put took a bitmap of Facebook and put that on the Coco 3. That was kind of cool. Um, Tandy Model 4 P's. These are, these are nice. These are the portable versions here. Um, yeah, I, have, I actually have um, three of them. <laughs> and uh, the, the, I, I restored these two um, recently. Power supply just blew out. And I, I restored them both. And they both look fantastic. They're not uh, yellowed at all. And they work wow. fine. Nice. Those are portable? Yeah, you can't tell how that's portable? It yeah. doesn't come with its own hand truck. <laughs> Forklift. It's, it has a handle. It has a handle. Yeah, there you go. Hey, come on. It was the 80s. The keyboard looks a lot like a Tandy 1000 keyboard, too. You know? Yeah. It looks basically the same. Yeah, I have the Tandy 1000 as well, the original. Yeah. Even yeah, with the good. And that has basically the same keyboard, the same layout. Now, this is the Commodore 64C? Yeah, no, that's a G. That's, that's ah. actually very large. Oh, G. Oh, wow. Forever. So this is, this is similar to the one that Simon Jonasson had that got, that got full of ants. Um, I think he said his was a, was a C. This is, this is a G, and there's also a version before that, and it's called the Commodore 64 Aldi. And Aldi mm. is a market in Germany. See, that the, looks really nice. The keyboard color is different to the the normal uh, 64. Yeah. It's a whiter, whiter keyboard. Exactly. And um, it's actually the same mainboard as the 64C, uh, but they had issues. Um, the 64C was a, a different size and all, all kinds of uh, extra hardware you can use put on top of the keyboard. So they had to do something, and they made uh, the 64G or and the 64Aldi, which are essentially the 64C, but then the better uh, with, with more integrated chips and uh, back to the old layout and old style casing. It's a nice looking machine. These are quite rare, quite hard to find. So here we're looking at a 
What, what does the description here say? Gotta love donations picked up at Commodore Pet 2001 in original box. Yeah. Bondwell 14-inch Apple box, Apple 2E plus monitors plus two drives, Apple Power Mac. Yeah, so so for those of you listening on the audio version, you're probably going to want to watch the video version to see these, or you want to just go to the Facebook group and check these out. Uh, this is a beauty here, an IBM PC with the green screen, huh? That's really nice. Yeah, I actually stored that today. Uh, oh, yeah. I put a video card inside, and now it's working, and I cleaned it, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just making a video. I was making a video before I started this uh, live chat. <laughs> Okay. Uh, to, to show how, how I restored it and uh, it's back because this had a, an issue with a video card mm. and it's fun because it's it came with the original documentation original drives and everything was still working apart from the video card mm -hmm. and the guy paid uh, 31,000 guilders which is approximately the same in dollars I guess so uh, let's say let's say $25,000 uh, for that machine in 1984. Wow. So that's, that's crazy. That's, that's just, you know, that, I don't understand why people would buy a, an IBM in 1984, but yeah, they better buy a Tandy back then, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's better machines. I, li I like some of these pictures here, your home computer. I like your little logo there because it looks semi-Commodore-ish there, that home computer museum logo you have. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, we have a designer uh, in house, and he's a completely fan of of everything '80s and '90s. Yeah, and he's created the logo, and I'm really happy with it because it's also the ZX Spectrum you can find in it, and basically it, it feels retro, and that's the whole. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of good. So, what is this room that we're looking at here? Here's your website. Um, what was the room we were looking at? For all the tables and chairs. Is this where you're setting up a bigger museum, or were you giving a presentation? Uh, that's actually, uh, we are creating LAN parties over there. Oh, LAN parties, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, nice. Uh, games from the 90s and, and early 2000s. Uh-huh. Like so, Duke Nukem. Uh, yeah, Duke Nukem. Yeah. Wow. Uh, those kind of games. You know, the games that yeah. can't can be played on the internet anymore. Yep. Mm, what is this machine here? Tulip PC. Yeah, that's, that's a Dutch brand. That's one of the computers you don't know. <laughs> Yes, yes. Is it uh, uh, like an MS-DOS compatible system or was yeah, it its own it's, thing? It's it, uh, an IBM clone, as you would okay. say in those days. Uh, it's uh, one of the biggest companies in the Netherlands. Um, it uh, went broke like many companies. Uh, actually, before it went broke, uh, Tulip bought Escom. And Escom uh, has the brand uh, Commodore. Hmm. So when Commodore went bankrupt, uh, it was bought by a German company called Escom. But Escom went bankrupt as well, and that was bought by Tulip. Wow. The brand Commodore still exists today in the Netherlands. Wow. They don't make computers anymore, but the brand still is in the Netherlands. Wow. And this is one of the first uh, computers they made, and they sold hundreds of, uh, hundreds of thousands of them in the Netherlands alone. Wow. So everybody knows this in the Netherlands. <laughs> what 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 system are we? What oh, I know this is a Microsoft install screen there. That's Windows, MS DOS six point two two setup. Oh my God, that brings <laughs> back memories. The looks like an Olivetti. Yeah, that's an Olivetti. Yeah, uh, which is still not in a museum because 
it has those annoying Dallas chips, and uh, I still don't have replacements for those Dallas chips. So that's just pity. But yeah, we were installing. We can we can run it, and it will install. And uh, but every time we boot it up, we have to inst we have to set up the hard drive and set up all the all the drives and. It's basically a pain in the ass to put that one up. So, <laughs> oh, look at this! This is a nice layout of Tandy machines. Huh? We got some Tandy one thousands, got a whole line of Cocos and an MC ten. Then we got some Model ones, Model threes, Model fours. Uh, looks like a Model. Is this, is this a Model two? Two, here? yeah, and a sixteen or With twelve the, behind that, I think. Yeah, and then some of the portables. Uh, Tandy 100, uh, Model 100, some laptops, a little uh, pocket calculator computer there. Yeah. Um, external drive bays. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, that is a nice layout of Tandy machines there. That's gorgeous. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, mo that's mainly my collection. I have a lot of yeah. them. I have double. I have, I think, nine color computer. Uh, sorry, I have nine Model 1s. <laughs> um, the color computer 2, I have several ones. Um, yeah, that's. And Jim Gary says the MC10 in a line by itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in the pocket computer. <laughs> and uh, this is an interesting looking machine here, black. At, at a time where most things were tan or beige or cream colored, black was not black was not an '80s common color for home computers. This is. Um well, we have uh, this brand in the Netherlands, you, which you probably know, which is called Philips. Mm -hmm. uh, they made a lot of computers and failed in every computer. Uh, <laughs> and they, they were really bad systems to begin with. This is the yeah. P2000T on the left side. Um, and the P2000T has Z80 inside. Mm. Uh, it has a, a, a mini cassette um, as a... As a solution for saving stuff and it doesn't have a disk controller the right one is exactly the same as the left one except mm -hmm. they are missing the graphical chip and they have a disk controller uh, and the graphical chips uh, is the same as teletext i mean if you guys know what that is it's it's really bad graphic it's basically not a graphics machine okay and uh, they had these two machines but in 1980 and they put it on every school. Everybody was typing and using this for schools. Um, but they were terrible machines. They were bad keyboards. Uh, the power supply was terrible. And in general, they were terrible machines. So they were on the market for two years and then they were gone. Wow. Um, you see Interesting. Also the boxes on top, there's a box of Tandy and Color Computer 2. Uh, and then we got some Windows XP laptops. Those are looking good. Using a zip drive, huh? Yeah, yeah I was. I was actually. Uh, that was on a on a fair, um, where we were trying to do some gaming on a big screen. Yeah, that's neat. So this was like one of your LAN parties. You got all these PCs set up and hooked up together, huh? Uh, no, it's not hooked up together. This is just. Uh, a, oh, okay. Just on a display. random show um, at, at some fair. We were we were there and we were just showing off the museum. Okay. Is, is that a Coco Three uh, second from the right? Playing Donkey yes. Kong? Yes, we have. A, I, I always bring my Coco Three because I'm really proud of my Coco Three. Good eye, Curtis. I'm the only one in the Netherlands who has actually a Coco Three. So, 
Uh, well, yeah, again, I'm I'm geographically illiterate, so Netherlands is not Denmark. No, south from the Netherlands. Okay, okay, because I know we have like we have Simon and Fedor in in Denmark, but that's not the Netherlands. Okay. No, no. Okay. The Netherlands uh, are the guys who uh, who found New York and everything in America. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the Tandy One Thousand here, and yes. yeah, yeah, this is neat. And uh, yeah, I like that big flat screen, the big uh, display up there. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that was uh, a Grand Theft Auto <laughs> playing <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> ah, a couple of hard drives here, huh? Yeah, that's uh, that's a bunch of hard drives. I, at some point, I. Uh, I found out I, I was uh, lacking in hard drives, IDE, old IDE hard drives. Sure. So we went to uh, to, to a local um, sh dump shop, and I said I'm looking for hard drives, and just they put they gave this to me for free. Was, okay, nice. thank you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, especially IDE and some of the even the older ones are harder to get now. But um, yeah. yeah, Ken's calling you now, Hawkeye L Hawkeye Curtis. So. <laughs> Curtis with that eagle eye of his. Uh, Retro Kids, yeah, Home Computer Museum. Yeah, you got great artwork here. And who oh, is this cutie? That's my daughter. Uh, and she's ah. called Lisa. And there are actually two Lisas behind her. So it's, it's oh, funny. Apple II Lisa, huh? Yeah, yeah that's, the old $10,000 machine. <laughs> wow. Actually, the middle Lisa, as with you can square see, pixels. is the very first Lisa of the Netherlands. This is actually the the very first Lisa of the Netherlands. I have proof of that. Hmm. And that's awesome by itself. Wow. That's something. So, yeah, this is a cool site. So anybody who's interested in seeing more of this, you should go to facebook.com slash nlcomputermuseum. Uh, is that Albert Einstein there? Uh, well, he looks <laughs> like it, but no, he's from Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I love the waffles they have there too. By the way, they're great. Um, yeah, it looks like another. Is this a Commodore? Is that a Commodore down there on the left? But yeah, that's that's a one twenty-eight. Yeah, indeed. And an Apple Lisa with a Mac on top of it, on top of a hard drive. Uh, this is just a stack of goodies here, huh? You got Commodore drives stacked up on top of that's Apple drives. Stuff donated and given to me. Here you go. That's awesome. A lot of cool stuff going on here. Windows XP, even that's nostalgic at this point here. CRT exactly. monitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool stuff. Oh, here we go. Here's a Z, here's a Sinclair a ZX Spectrum here, right? Uh, that's, that's a, a different that's, keyboard. That's a Spectrum um, Plus. Plus, yeah. So was this a was this a period correct machine, or is this that? New, I know they're making a new version of this. Uh, well, the the new version is the ZX Spectrum, and it's the Plus, so this one is better. Uh, okay. I, think, I don't know. I'm not I'm not into uh, Sinclair actually. <laughs> Schneider 64K Color personal oh, computer. CPC, I recognize that. CPC yeah. 464, huh? Yeah. Or an AM, or an Amstrad. Neat. Exactly. Exactly. Player built in. That's neat. You got an impressive collection. You're giving Ron Delvaux a run for his money. Okay, Casio. Very <laughs> surprising. Uh, Commodore 64. Is this the C? Yeah, that's the C. That's the C there. Okay. You notice the keys. Uh, there's your, this is what Tandy relabeled, right? The yep. Sharp 
pocket computer. This also became the Tandy pocket computer, right? It's uh, the one, I believe, yeah, because Tandy sold four of them, I think. In a P, ter- P8000 terminal, or is that what that says? I can't yeah. quite read. Yeah. Just a terminal. Yeah. I got, I got this from a guy from East Germany. Yeah. He came to me, he drove four hours just to visit, wow. uh, visit me and, and gave me all this amazing East European computers. Now, is this museum a physical museum that people can come see at yes. any given time, or is it traveling? Or No, no, it's a physical museum in, right in the center of uh, the Benelux, which is Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, even go come over here by plane. There's uh, an airport nearby, two airports okay. nearby. Um, it, it's, it's just the museum is 500 square meters. Don't know how many... Uh, that's feet. like a thought. Was it two point two feet to a meter, or something like that? Two point no, three. Three point one. Three. Feet. Po- okay, so that's uh, so. It's a little, little more than that in yards, square yards. Okay. All right. This looks like a calculator here. I don't know. It is. It's a is. Russian calculator. A I got, Russian, I got so, a question. Yeah, Ron. You guys uh, have any um, Russian computers? I have an East European computer, which is called the Klein Computer Eighty Five. And it's also in the picture somewhere. Probably we got a Russian calculator here that does Russian math. So, um, okay, what is this laser machine here? Laser Color Computer Two Ten EX. Uh, I haven't turned it on. It's. Uh, I think that, it's. You know, isn't that the one that uses the same VDG chip as the Coco? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Could be laser made several it, computers, and they're all. It's it's the VZ two hundred or three hundred in Australia. Yeah, and well, they, they use the same VDG as the Coco did. Yeah, mm. well, that, that's in a different case to what we had, so slightly different model, maybe. Actually, What's you can the see the process? colors on those top eight keys exactly match yeah. the Coco one two palette in order. Yeah, yeah, green, yellow, blue, red, orange, cyan, magenta. Or, yeah, so. Or yeah, buff, as we called it. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if it had any uh, big surprises, you know, CLS 9, Microsoft. But this is, is, it, just, oh, is it better than an MC10? Counter pet? I don't know. I never turned it off. <laughs> I don't know. So the later model pets, I think. That's some la- okay, that's yeah. it looks kind of like a pet. It's the 80 yeah. column one. Ah, neat. 80. A lot of cool stuff here. So these are fluorescent fixtures. <laughs> the computer monitors here. Uh, more Commodore stuff. This machine off to the left here, this almost looks like an uh, MSX. with the. It's a plus pet. four. A Commodore oh, plus that? four. Yeah. Ah, okay. Do you, have any, do you have any of the MSX systems? Yes. Yes, I have yeah. them. Yeah. Okay, here's an original pet, right, with that really funky yes. keyboard. Yep, that's the one I very first computer I ever used. Yeah, that's neat. Now this looks like a Commodore. This almost looks like an advert from the Commodore. Um, that looks really nice, though. Commodore under your Christmas tree. Ooh, look at this. Is this <laughs> the Model Two with the eight-inch floppies? Yes. Wow, look at that. That's those. already set up to run a BBS with all those floppy guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hack into Congress with this, people. Look at this. NSA has got nothing on that. Um, on, top, on top of it, there's an MSX. But... Uh, let's go back. 
Yeah, we could look at this forever, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on here. This is pretty cool. Uh, what what's what do you say you have on the top here? That's an MSX. That's oh, that's MSX, MSX right there. Uh, MSX two. Okay. I put it there for size <laughs> to show how big the the Model Two is. Wow. That's that's something. What are these colored systems here? This is uh, Indigos. Yes. Iris Indigo was... I can't remember who made it now. They were, they were a competitor of Sun, weren't they? Silicon they were really graphics. famous for the graphic systems. Oh, Silicon, Silicon graphics. graphics. SGI? Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. right. These Very four cool. uh, I used to make uh, Blender. The original, the, the creator of Blender uh, is a Dutch guy. And he used these four machines to create Blender. And Blender is that multi-purpose thing for doing 3D animation exactly. and everything else, right? It's, not it's an, basically an open source version of what uh, the visual effects industry uses, right? So, um, yeah, that's neat. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so what 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 was the architecture of this? This was a, a custom RISC processor. Yes, RISC. Yeah, was it using a Motorola brand or was it proprietary? I don't know. I I think it was IBM. Uh, hmm. Some TRS-80 ads here. Hey, you see that? You see that table with our T-shaped uh, legs on it? That one Over here. Yeah. I had yeah. that table when I was back in New York, and I got that with my uh, collection, one of my collections. Oh, and wow. uh, that was a sturdy table, where you could really pile on the stuff on. It. I bet. Nice IBM system. Man, there is such a wealth of of photographs here. TRS-80 Model One. Uh, this looks like some type of event you were at here, huh? Yes. Or is this your actual museum, or is this like a road show? Uh, just a road show. Okay, that looks pretty cool. Well, I, listen, I need to get, I need to get out. I need to get out, and I need to see Europe. I need to see Netherlands. I need to maybe take a stop in Amsterdam. You know, Coco Talk uh, on the road. Coco Talk on the road. <laughs> European vacation. So um, this is amazing. You have I to get the truckster. Yeah, right. We need uh, we need our correspondent Jason the Cocoa Man. Uh, this is Jason reporting live from a heroin den in Amsterdam. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's paying for my flight? <laughs> now just talk to accounting. Send a, somebody. Yeah, send a requisition to accounting. <laughs> Jason's our <laughs> man. All right. So oh, this geez. is um, yeah. I could look at that all day, but we'll go ahead and we'll save some of this for people to look at at their leisure. So that's really cool. That's quite impressive. Um, definitely giving Ron Delvaux a run for his money oh, yeah. on uh, on collections. There, Ron. Ron is our resident uh, guy with lots of stuff on yeah, the states. Anyway, so um, very cool. Thanks for sharing that with us, Bart. Thanks for joining yeah. the show today. Uh, anybody have any comments or questions or feedback for Bart and his museum while he's here? I'd definitely like to see it sometime in person. That's for sure. Mm. Just let me know when you when you arrive, and uh, I'll make sure to give you the big tour of the museum. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Hey, this is uh... <laughs> Rob Inman says Coco Man live from the Red Light District. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? This is pretty miraculous, isn't it? Is this the one that John Linville converted to yeah. play into Coco 3? That's Alan awesome? Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, actually, John is sure. Yeah, it's a movie playing on the Coco 3. It's Back awesome. from, t from 2010. Yeah. yeah. 
you can okay. actually identify and see people. Yeah, there's there's uh, John John Strong. I don't know who that is. Um, can it? I can't remember that is. It's a little bit washed out right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can bring it up. It's on YouTube, and um, you get a chance to take a look at it because what's cool about it is it's video on a Coco. Yeah, that looks like Brian the Music Man. Roxanne, yep. you don't have to visit the red light. Okay, is that Bob Swagger there? Yeah, on the right. Okay. And George, I think, Schweinis or Schweins? I can't remember his last That's name. That's John Linville right there showing That's, off his media player. That's him himself. Yep. The, the man. Man. Uh, I don't know what the hell that is. Okay. That's a guy. Yeah, but it's really cool. It's really cool. Is that Linda, Linda Pedraza? Okay. All right. Okay. I just wanted to. So, so Fedor says that the museum is about 500 miles from him. So that's not terrible. Could be done. Could be done. That's a short drive. Oh. I mean, what are you guys talking short about? Drive. <laughs> All right. So we are um, not a bad show today. We've been, been rambling on for about two and a half hours. You think we've covered enough retro goodness for one week? Is there anything left to talk about this week? No, we're just getting started. We're just I think getting, we well, beat this one to death. We have beat this one to death. We're, Grant says we're just getting started. Grant has said squat this entire show, but we're just getting started, according to Greg, apparently. Yeah, he's just <laughs> I think he up. said that just because he just woke up again since the beginning. So. <laughs> yeah, where's that snoring sound? What, what were we talking yeah. about? We have a half-hour credits yet. Yeah. Everybody be quiet. Don't wake the sleeping beast. Right. Yeah, there is a song called I Would Walk 500 Miles, right? And I would walk 500 more. So um, that's cool stuff. John Mark Mobley, thanks for being here, too. Uh, so what have we not talked about this week that needs to be mentioned? Anybody on the panel got anything else that you want to mention that's come to mind based on uh, what we've discussed today? We haven't talked about David Ladd. We have not, and we haven't seen David Ladd. So let's run a... Let's run a um, Let's run a David Ladd clip real quick. Just to feel like home. And I think something else that needs to be run this week, even though we didn't ask the question we should probably play why did tandy do that number one because i think it was rob inman that says hey i got that song stuck in my head now who wrote it and we have to thank alan huffman for that but i also like the fact that um john linville tied that in when he was talking about the dac and his technical discussion he's like you know a lot of times we say why did tandy do that because they didn't do something we wish they had but when he was mentioning how the dac was actually eight bits and how the four voice music plays out to be exactly eight bits without having to shift any bits and that just worked out perfectly um so he's saying this is one time where tandy did something good right so let's give tandy credit because we don't get a chance to do that very often <laughs> tell me why Why did Tandy make an 8-bit DAC register for a 6 or 8-bit value for a 6-bit DAC register? Who the hell knows? But it just happened to work out, right? So it was um, cheap. <laughs> okay, so Bart, you got to leave us. Yeah, sorry. I'm still at the hey, museum. Uh, My wife is uh, calling ah, me. Hey, are you? 
Okay. Hey, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate having you on and, and getting a chance to take a look at your collection there. Yeah, thanks for the virtual tour of your museum, too. Yeah, maybe we could have updates if you get something new. Will do. Uh, yeah, keep keep an eye on the Facebook page. That's uh, that's mainly it. Also, my YouTube channel as well. So I think that's stuff to contribute that you get uh, posted on our Coco thing. Sounds yeah, my Coco stuff or Tandy stuff, I'll put it in the Coco group. Cool. There you go. Well, I got to run because my wife is really right. mad. Now. Okay, Bart. <laughs> hey, later. Thanks, See you thanks later. for being here, Bart. All right. All right. So, have we beat this show to death? Long time ago. All right. So, what, what, what <laughs> yeah. we're going to start off with is the normal closing credits. Then we'll come back. We'll have the post-closing discussion in case there's any last-minute thoughts, and then we'll get into the bonus post-closing credits, which is, you know, that's how we do things now. So and we'll have the abnormal credits. Yes. So <laughs> fa phase one of Coco Talk signing off will begin in three, two, and one. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer links needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our best of episodes and bonus content. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at GlensideCCC.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at Go, the number four, Retro.com. Tandy Assembly at TandyAssembly.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com. Get your own switcheroo at CocoMan.biz and Cloud9 Technologies at Cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge, co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts and producers, Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvo, and Jason Reichert. Production motivation, Steve Bjork. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Shalar. Mix, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people. And let's not forget a very special thank you to Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. All right. Well, in case you weren't aware of it, as Roundel Vaux is had up on a screen, you mm -hmm. are watching Coco Talk. So, yeah, we've had on the live chat, too, it's, it's scrolled so much. I don't have everybody who has been here from the beginning, but Fedor has been here. Uh, or Bart from Home Computer Museum. Paul Fiscarelli has been here. 
Ken, Ken make it, Ken Riker, D. Bruce Moore. So just saying hi for a second. Evan Wright came by. Retro Innovations has been here. Um, who else? Mikey stopped by. He likes it. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. Um, Retro Innovations was here. Disney Saints fan um, was here. I'm sorry I missed you there. Uh, Backhand Sandwich says, any Commodore 116s or 364s? I, I missed that question there. We had a lot of screens moving around. <laughs> Rob Inman says, Coco Man live from the Red Light District. That was funny. Jim Gary was here. And um, hopefully we represented the MC-10 in a positive light this week. So, yeah, a lot of people in the live chat. And I'm sorry if I didn't get a chance to recognize all of you. Um, so here we have, we have another Coco Cat there. There's Jason with his Coco Cat. Hello, Coco yes, Cat. Rocky, ha Rocky has made an appearance. Meow. All right. There we go. We've had at least three cats on the show today. All right. And that's a good thing. Mark Overholzer, you've been kind of quiet. Everything good with you? Yep, going fine. Just nothing really to contribute. All right. Other than just your beautiful, shining face. Uh, just, and his uh, show notes. And his show notes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we do want to give, listen, you know, on the one hand, I'm, uh, you know, it's it seems like you don't want you don't want to seem unappreciative to what you do have, right? So I, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, it'd be great to have more suggestions, but we also have to recognize the fact that listen, everybody here is volunteering their time, right? Nobody's getting paid for this. So once a week, you guys come up and you you volunteer your time. You're you're with us on the air for two to three hours, and then we have a lot of us who are doing other things, like um, Mark Overholzer does the indexing of the show. So when you watch the replay on YouTube. Um, he will take some key moments and put in timestamps that become hyperlinks. So if you want to jump to a segment of the show on the replay, you can just click on that link. And that takes time, too. And Mark does that uh, fairly consistently for the majority of our episodes. So nice. thank you thank you for doing that, Mark. I'm working on doing all of them. But definitely the yeah, last... It's, uh, it's a great resource for especially people yeah. new to the show if they're trying to go back. Or if somebody wants to remember something and it's like, oh, they did about the episode 54. <laughs> so... Yes, it is, Andy. And I, no one's being paid. Yeah. I'm yep. just now finding this out. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting on that check. <laughs> I didn't want to mention anything at Cocoa Fest. I didn't want to be rude. How are you ever going to be able to afford to fly to the red light district without a check? <laughs> the only red light district I'm going to find is the one with all the stoplights. Um, listen, we do have Coca Talk prophylactic, so make sure you get some of those from the swag shop before you hit Great. the. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Does that come with your spooning kit? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, now, now we've just gone too far. Okay. It's not usually Ron that goes too far. I'm impressed. I can't help. Ron's in fair form today. <laughs> <laughs> Let me update the text here. We're just beat it to death. All it right. takes the pressure. It takes the pressure off me and Steve being the pervs of the show. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Robin, anything should have. Oh, we forgot one of. The, I did. I think I did close off one of the news articles. So uh, I did. I had all these tabs open. I I thought one of them looked like it disappeared. So one of the questions that came up was, you know, is uh, the high score and pop star pilot right? And oh, so. Um, and, and, yeah, there's, there's different strategies to playing the game, right? And one of them is going for points. And then um, the other one is really you want to just finish the game and, and hopefully unlock Zone 5, right? And to unlock Zone 5, you've got to get enough of those tokens 
um, yeah. throughout the game, the little diamond-shaped things, right? So you can play for points and play for a high score, but if you collect, what is it, 25 tokens? I think it's 25, yeah. So if, can't you're, able, now. if you're able to get enough of the tokens and you complete Zone 4, that's the only time you're going to see the bonus Zone 5. And I've never even seen, I've barely seen Zone 3. <laughs> so, um, And there's a bit of a bonus at the end of Zone 5, too, So if you complete Zone 5. Some, some post-credit type stuff? I'm not saying anything. Uh, so well, secret, there. secret ending? It's the proper game over. It's the proper game over. Okay, yeah. so, so we'll have to take a look at that. Um, excellent. So, yeah, so at this point, Coker Talk Episode 61 has been beat to death. I want to thank John Mark Mobley from the Glenside Color Computer Club for joining us today, too. Okay. And sharing uh, how to make a sine wave and how to, you know, combine waveforms and multi-voice and stuff, and it did make a little bit more sense. I'm glad I had somebody here intelligently enough to... Yeah explain it because i would never be able to understand that so and he also showed that excel can actually be interesting <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets are sexy you heard it here kids so um cool stuff um make sure mark um um uh, mark overholzer when you are indexing the show we get every switcheroo ad uh properly indicated in there so okay uh, i'll make a note on that both of uh, them uh, I do I do put the ad breaks in there, but yeah. uh, you know I don't usually break them um, out. By I don't know if anybody noticed some new little transitions, but we had some stuff put in that uh, one of the other talented Rikard brothers created for us. But Ken gave us some kind of cool Monty Python clips. Anybody notice the Apple getting stepped on and the MC10 getting stepped on? Yeah, yeah. I know. Yes, I, I did. The Monty Python esque foot down on yes that. now the problem i have is trying to play the commercials let me try to play a commercial one more time i don't know what the hotel's going on but those clips are now baked into all my commercials so i'm gonna try this one more time oh christ uh, what, what you're what you're saying this, there jason this, for this for edition of coco talk yeah brought for, to you by nothing yes yeah, so for, this, the, the feeling of nothingness Dinner. Black hole. So somehow my commercial loop got screwed up, and I don't know how that got screwed up. So you've been David Laddered. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll have to show it off next week. But we've got some cool stuff. Uh, thanks to Ken Reichard, one of the other talented Reichard. There's a couple of talented Reichard brothers. One of them makes the switcheroo. The other one makes videos. So uh, <laughs> talent runs strong in that family. Yeah. And, uh, all right, guys. So we're gonna now, and, and if we beat everything else, so so let's just finish the pop star pilot discussion. For those of you who have played it, what is your suggestions? What is your strategies for for what to do? Don't depends what you die. Goal is. <laughs> it well, depends what you your goal is. If you're trying to complete the game, obviously shoot the tokens. I always only go for the red balloons so you get the multi fire because I can get you out of a pickle lot. And uh, don't go for every balloon, like. For points, etc., like the white ones, that's just bonus stuff. If you're trying to get through zone five, you concentrate on getting as much firepower with the red balloons as you can, so you can get out of jams easier. And then you have to get used to the flying around and memorize the uh, maps too, because when you know where things are, it's a lot easier to get through. If you're going for points, pick one of the levels that has free man on it. Make sure you get the free man. Shoot as many balloons as you can that level, and then right before the end, die. And then you'll go back, and then just rinse and repeat. You just keep going through, get your free man, get as many points as you can from loots, die again before going to the next level. And then you, you literally, if you get good enough, you can play forever if you mm. want to rack up a high score. Okay. 
Right, hey, but it's fun. You never see the extra, the later zones, though. Right. Yeah. David Ladd just chimed in in the chat. All right. You did. Okay. Time to end. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, David Ladd. How about we do another one? What did David Ladd break in honor of David Ladd, who just got here? So. You got to love that stuff here. Two, Rob Inman says, two more hours. All right. So now it is time for the post-credits credits and then maybe some more after post-credits credits discussion. So hold tight. Fasten your seatbelts, kids. Hi, this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as the TV Throw Devil and the SD Pack. And you are watching Coco Talk in three, two, go. <laughs> I'm buying your bacon face. Okay. <laughs> you, you have a You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever the hell you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. Right, I want to continue this guy. They say, world, sweetie. Weekly, any computer. Something like that. Alright, I'm soon playing dagger like that idiot from the book. You're watching Coco Talk. <laughs> Thank you, David Ladd. Now get back up there for one second. Oh, jeez. What? What? Let's, let's get some dry wire, TTL, no. ESP. No, we don't need any dry wire or TTL. Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Talk. People. Hi, we're on Delbo Timberman. I guess I'll to uh, experience Coco Fest US Comedy. Like, I brought the only working Pepsi Tim. I could not get it. I could not get it. Couldn't get a grant. Ah, by certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of uh, yeah. Temple of Brom, Shanghai, and now Bomb Threat, and you're listening to Stroke on CocoTalk. Eight slot MPI, you know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four slot MPI. All right, now the show is potentially officially over, but we've just been trolled by Steve Bjork in the chat. He goes, does this show ever end? Yeah. <laughs> this is the show that Today, ever playing the part ends. of Jim Brain is Steve Bjork. <laughs> the part of Jim we Brain is... To, uh, Jim Brain was dark. here earlier, a couple, a couple hours ago. Yeah. Now after dark. Is, yeah, well, you know what, it's been a while since we've done it after dark. If anybody's up for it, maybe we can try to do one tonight. Sure. Um, for those of you who, um, yeah, maybe I'll do a simulcast of that one on Facebook and on um, YouTube because I don't know. I don't know that everybody who watches us on YouTube is already um, following the Facebook page. 
Did you guys so, yeah. know that back back in the day, if you played some Coco software backwards, it had secret messages? <laughs> it said the MC10 <laughs> did not kill the deluxe color computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. I want to thank um, um, Bart was here from the Color Computer Museum. Rick Adams was on earlier. Um, had to dip out. We still have with us John Mark Mobley from the Glenside Color Computer Club. We've got Greg, a.k.a. Grant Leedy, is with us. Jason, the Coco Man. Reichert, creator of the Switcheroo. Nick Marentes from Down Under. G'day, Nick. Rondell Vaux, the Timberman. L. Curtis Boyle and Mark D. Overholzer. Thank you all for being here. I believe we will now officially sign off on episode 61 because we have beat it to death. All right. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, everybody who watched us in the live stream. I think we're up to 24 viewers live. Uh, one of my counts uh, might have gotten a little higher. So that's cool. So we're now signing off. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Frank. It's a wrap. <laughs> all right. And. <laughs> David Ladd says, finally. <laughs> and now we can watch, uh, watch it go off. <laughs> yep. All right, so we just went off the air.